On this week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, Shohei Otani is officially off the trade block as the Angels go and trade for Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. The Dodgers go and make their first move of the trade deadline season by acquiring Kike Hernandez and Ahmed Rosario. We also discuss the wild NL wildcard race with five teams within a game of each other as we head towards the trade deadline. We also discuss who else might be buyers and who might be sellers. And we wrap up with a little talk about how the awards races in the American League and National League are shaping up as we head towards a tumultuous trade deadline. All of that and a whole lot more coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back ladies and gentlemen to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 105. Alex and I are coming to you. It is Thursday, July 27th. AJ, a jam-packed episode today. We have so many updates on the trade market, the trade block, who is getting traded, who is going to be staying put. Um, We're going to have some updates, of course, on teams we might have as potential buyers, uh, teams that we may see as potential sellers. Uh, And also, we'll go and take a dive into some of the updates to the uh, recent Caesars Sportsbook. We're using Caesars Sportsbook. You can use MGM or whatever sportsbook you may choose to bet with, but we'll look at the Caesars Sportsbook odds on the awards so far. There's a lot of updates happening over the past week with uh, with certain guys' odds. But AJ, uh, I mentioned a couple seconds ago, uh, today is July 27th, and I don't think, I'm, I'm not joking here. I think today we witnessed the greatest single-hand day of baseball from one player in the history of the sport. Um, most people will understand why, but uh, Shohei Otani, he's of course, and then his name's in the, in the, uh, in the, in the media. It's, it's been popping up for the last couple of weeks, past month. I, I think it's, I think it's been the first uh, thing I put in every single title for the yeah. last three podcasts. Yes. Yeah. And we want to start of course off by Shohei Otani. He of course today uh, Angels had to play a doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers. Yesterday, it got rained out, so they played two games today. And sometimes you look at some of these games with a doubleheader, and you got to say, man, can we just get one? Um, sometimes playing back-to-back games is just very tough for the team to stay together for all 18 innings. Can we just get one game, maybe split the, split the day series and uh, walk out of there with a series win? But game one, Shohei Otani was taking the mound. A one-hit, nine, or I'm sorry, eight strikeouts, complete game shutout from Shohei Otani. I don't know if we've ever seen that before in his career. I don't think it's his first ever complete game. It's his first ever complete game. And it was a shutout as well. Uh, Just a masterful performance, but Oh, it's Shohei Otani. And what are you going to do to cap it off in game two? You're going to have a multi home run game. Um, AJ, just, just to speak to volume. What, what'd you think of today? I mean, I certainly think it is probably the best, day in a major league baseball players uh stat book that you could ever do in 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 history right now with with what we saw today i completely agree i think that it is 
the most impressive single day of baseball. Um, definitely in my lifetime that I've ever seen. I would also probably say in baseball history, as far as I'm aware, I'm sure that there are some really incredible feats that happened, you know, a hundred years ago in games that were, you know, probably less competitive, less competitive, you know, just kind of a less higher level. But to be doing it, Travis, in 2023, the game of baseball is so hard, right? Like I feel bad for any pitcher that can zip a home run because it's such, I mean, you know, some of these relievers, the way that they um, are kind of pitching for their livelihoods out there, you know, they don't want to get, you know, cut or demoted yep. and stuff. It's like, it's just so brutal how good the hitters are and how good the pitchers are. And the fact that Otani is dominating hitters, just mowing them down as a pitcher, and then as a batter, just doesn't matter who's in the mound, able to do serious damage on a consistent basis without a doubt, the most impressive um, stretch of baseball we've seen. And then to, to kind of put it all together on a double header in a single day has to be one of the most uh, valuable single uh, days of baseball um, of all time. I would also add that not only was today super special for him, I think he's continuing to prove um, a point about how valuable he is in terms of just being able to do this in unsurprising fashion, right? I feel like every time he hits a home run, Travis, I'm not surprised anymore, right? Every time he has like a three-walk game because teams are just like avoiding him, I'm not surprised anymore. Every time he takes the mound and gets us, you know, at least six innings, um, gets us, you know, 105-plus pitches, uh, really forces the other team to uh, somehow try to get some hits off of him try to get a rally going you know i know he hasn't had the best era this season but i still think his uh ability to get strikeouts his ability to generate whiffs i mean travis today his uh sweeper and his splitter were both working well uh, so many swings and misses from the tigers and you know some people will say oh well, it's just the tigers but uh, i truly think that his uh pitching ability is still some of the best in baseball, even if the ERA doesn't show it. One of the stats that he continues to lead qualified pitchers in is opponent batting average because he's so good at limiting hits because he's so hard to make contact with because he gets so many swings and misses. Um, the one thing that comes back to bite him is occasionally he'll hang a sweeper or throw a fastball in the zone that might get crushed for extra bases, um, might go out of the park. He had a, a start a, about a week ago where he allowed like only five hits, but four of them are homers. And mm -hmm. um, Angel still secured to win that game. But it just kind of goes to show, um, as long as you can avoid the extre extremely hard contact, he is still one of the best pitchers in the sport. Quick little stat here, Travis, um, that I found on Twitter. Um, it says here now, this is from uh, at J.A. Seedler. Um this is the stats after today's doubleheader. He was pulled after the sixth inning for a bit of a cramp on his side. Uh, Nevin says that he'll be playing tomorrow. Hopefully that's true. I'm not too worried about it at this moment. Um, but this is his uh, current stats at this time on the season. Otani is hitting 298 average, 395 on base, which I think would be the best of his career, a 675 slugging and has his ERA now at a 3.43. Um, also worth noting, Travis, I think that the ball is a bit more juiced in uh, the last couple seasons. So some of these ERAs, you see a guy with a low three ERA, that's actually like 
very, very much above league average. Yep. Whereas a couple of years, I think maybe last season or season before, like a three, five was like league average. That's not, that's not anymore. League average is above four right now, I believe. So his three, four, three ERA is very, very good. And I think it goes without saying, Travis, I think we are witnessing of his three seasons at this point, obviously still a couple months left where things could go up or down from here. But so far it's been his best season in my opinion. Easily. The ability to um be the without un, the undisputed best hitter in the sport at this current time. Um it kind of parallels twenty twenty one, except for Vlad Guerrero Jr. was like a triple crown threat. So some people were kind of saying, Oh, maybe 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 Vlad's the best hitter, but Otani has the pitching component that edges him out. Um and then last year, Judge was so good, but Otani had the pitching component that was really working for him. Uh, and this season, it feels like there's um, there's no peer for him. There's no peer. Um, he is absolutely running away with MVP odds. There was a bit of concern there, Travis. I'm sure we'll get to this later. But if he was traded to the NL, all of a sudden, I don't know who the favorite would have become in the American League. I mean, yes. you could see guys like Corey Seager who missed time maybe jump up towards the top. Um, I mean, I, I, really, I really do not know because Trout and Judge have been injured. And they were like some of the favorites going into the season. It'd be a really tough question, but um, we'll get into more uh, MVP and Cy Young and odds and stuff later on. But I just kind of want to emphasize what we are seeing, not only in today's game, today's two games, doubleheader, but in this season, um, it is the most impressive display of baseball we've ever seen. And it it's, it's frustrating because things like this get overblown all the time in sports. Like how many times, Travis, especially in the NBA, I feel like, which I love the NBA, but I feel like it's always like, oh, this guy's the next this, or this guy is like the new this or that. And it's like, no, and when we're talking about Otani, we're not just being exaggerating. We're not just using superlatives just to make him sound good as like the the new the new hot toy. It's like, no, this, like this, what he is doing uh, was no one believed this could be possible for mm-hmm. he's on his third straight year now so he's through about a little over two and a half seasons straight not going on the injured list never missing uh numerous starts in a row never missing like a week um from hitting you know just consistently literally not missing any time being a two-way superstar on both ends of the ball it doesn't make sense um the league has been around for so long, American and National Leagues, and the fact that only a couple guys have been able to pull this off, even in a small capacity, um, and Otani's doing it better than anyone has in the past, being a two-way player, and he's doing it in the extremely difficult, extremely talented 2023 state of baseball. It is the most impressive thing ever, Travis. Um, now that we've kind of given him given him some praise, we can get into like more of the news component of the last couple of days here it was of course announced just yesterday after the angels had their game uh rained out the angels went ahead and said you guys can stop uh placing uh trade offers for shohei otani we will not be moving him we will be trying to win and then just last night shortly after that announcement it was announced the angels would acquire lucas giolito and reynaldo lopez for two prospects uh, those being Kai Bush and uh, Edgar Caro. Those are two um, prospects who, if you count Logan Ohapi as graduated from the minors, then you would say that those were the two best prospects in the Angels system. So definitely a super win-now move. Um, no nonsense. Not playing around. Showing Otani, we're going to do right by you. We are not going to 
go wishy-wash, right, Travis? No, yep. no half measures. We're going if, if we're not going to trade you, we're going to try to win. We're not going to mm-hmm. do any BS, hanging out in the middle, trying to kind of preserve the future, and then we'll hope that you come back. It's like no, we're going to prove it to you that if we want to resign you in the off season, let's make a run right now. And so. I really commend the aggressiveness, Travis. I've always been a fan of Paramanassian's aggressiveness, whether it be cutting players, <laughs> no matter how, no matter, no matter what the reputation of the player is or the manager, just pretty much firing people. Um, it's, 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 I'm not sure I've seen another GM do it at this level, especially a first time GM on his first GM job. Um, and then also his, you know, fearlessness when calling up players. And his fearlessness with you know making trades as we're seeing at this current deadline, um, I'm very much for it. But Travis, give me your reaction. Um, what was your first thought when you heard uh, the buzz that pretty much Perry Manassian said we will not be trading Shohei Otani? What was your reaction? How do you think the Angels would respond? Any reaction to the trade, of course. Yeah, I mean, obviously for me, I want to see a winning team. I want to see a team that can reach the playoffs and go far. And you need a guy like Shohei to to do that to, if, if, if you do want to make a push this season. So I do appreciate that. Um, you know, I will say, I will be honest, Alex, at first I thought it was a little bit of a, of a premature statement to say, knowing that we still had to play two games against the Tigers. We still have to go to Toronto. And then, of course, we have that one game uh in atlanta i think that game though would start after the deadline is up and over so basically you still had two more games against the tigers and three games against the blue jays and in my mind i just thought you know for some weird reason if we were to lose both games to the tigers uh the doubleheader, and then you go into toronto and you were to lose and get swept by the blue jays now you're looking at a at a position and a spot that is you know not as appealing you're 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 looking at a team that is under 500 and you know, now that you kind of made the the statement clear that you are not trading him, it, you know, it does look a little bit bad, I would say. So, um, but rightfully so, Shohei and the Angels proved me wrong today, Alex, by basically just beating the crap out of the Detroit Tigers and taking the sweep. It is 100% clear now that they are ready to go out there and win. And, you know, at first, I, you know, I've always been down that the angels have not really improved the the farm system their their prospects are their, their farm system farm system in general is typically always in the bottom you know the bottom half the bottom five or the bottom you know whatever of the league at this moment um, it's the bottom one after it trading, is number one after trading away their the two top best prospects. two yeah but you know what alex we went from 29th to 30th so yeah. I, 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 I looked at that and actually I saw a couple of fans on Twitter chiming in and saying, listen, we, it's not like we went from the 10th best team now to the 30th. We didn't make a huge decline. We literally went from 29th to 30th. So I thought, yeah, why, why would you not just risk it and say, let's just win this season and show the fans, show Shohei that we really want to win this year and that we really care about putting a winning baseball club on the field, even with all these injuries we're battling. I mean, I have not seen a more active GM than Perry the last you know six weeks with acquiring Eduardo Escobar, acquiring Moustakis, acquiring now Giolito and Lopez from the White Sox, and I'm sure there's going to be more. There's definitely some whispers of a couple more guys that could be coming over in a trade as well. But I mean, I think that's enough right there that can show Shohei this GM cares, and I already know the owner has the money to spend to basically make me happy in the offseason. So, I mean, I, I almost am putting it into perspective of 
you know, if we don't make the playoffs, it's going to be a very disappointing season. It could get really ugly. But I also look at it as saying, what if we win 88 games and we miss the playoffs? And Shohei says to himself and says to, you know, uh, the people around him saying this team really cares about me. They basically they basically made every single move with the mindset of how are we going to make Shohei happy? Like we are praising him. We we want him for the future and we will do anything. We'll move people around. We'll designate for we'll, we'll DFA important guys that are in our system and say we're we're basically giving you getting you off the hook where you're you know you're off the 40-man roster just because we need to bring in more guys to help satisfy this team and make it a winning ball club but um that was my initial reaction was you know it, it maybe it was a little bit premature but today we took care of business and right now i can i can safely say it, it is the right decision we have to go out there and win some ball games and and continue to push and right now we're i think we're 54 and 49 i think is what i last looked and, and that that is a very good place to be considering that we're only a couple of days away from the trade deadline and I think still looking to add guys on. And then last night with the news, you know, I think so far I would say the biggest splash of the, uh, of the trade market, you know, Giolito, uh, he was a Cy Young caliber starting pitcher a couple of years ago has of course had a little bit of a drop off, but, um, this season, Alex, not a bad pitcher at all. Right now, when you look at ERA, he is our, um, he is our second best starting pitcher according to ERA. Shohei being number one, Giolito being number two. But I just see him fitting in so well in a two or a three slot uh, for the starting rotation. And now, you know, now you really do look at a rotation that can, I think, finish very strongly in the next two months. And also, if you do make a playoff push and you get in the playoffs, you got a rotation that looks very, very good, in my opinion, for uh, tons and tons of opponents. But um, getting those guys, getting Lopez as well. I've, I've seen some some stats on Lopez. I think he started the season off very poorly, but the last two or three months, I think ERA is below like a 2.5, and it's just been electric out of the bullpen, and, and that's really honestly what we need. Um, Estevez has been great. Matt Moore has been great. There's so many guys in our bullpen that have been great, but I feel like we just needed that one more veteran presence to help guys like Jacob Webb, uh, Soriano, um, some of these other guys to really kind of help them out in some of these sixth or seventh inning roles that they're always getting thrown into. Um, but I, I tell you, man, I, I'm loving the moves now. I'm loving that the angels are even getting more involved in some of these other players. And, um, you know, it, 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 they're showing truly that the, that, they want to be the most aggressive team during this deadline. Something that we have not seen, Alex, we're always selling at the deadline or we're always keeping guys and not doing anything at the deadline. It's really nice to see us finally now getting some gears and, and getting some things into motion and, uh, and and making some moves and and making a statement, I think, not only to the American League West, but also the American League, just saying, you know, we see ourselves as a, as a threat for that sixth wild card seat or that fifth wild card seat, whatever it may be. Um, but so far, Alex, I mean, the, the angels are trending in a very nice direction. I think the league is definitely noticing that. I, I know media too is very upset now that, uh, Otani will not be dealt because, uh, most of, I think 99% of MLB fans already think the angels are eliminated from the playoffs and that we're just going to, you know, uh, go spiraling downhill. But I, I tell you, man, I, I mean, I think we've been handling, we've been handling very good teams, uh, in, in, in a very good fashion. I mean, I, I look back at the Astros series. I mean, in my opinion, that, that was a series we we easily could have taken two of three of. We swept the Yankees, who right now the Yankees are, you know, I think a half game above us. But uh, there's so many teams that we're already playing um, in, in very good fashion. And and I know August is going to be a very tough schedule, but I think we are a team that's that's on the rise right now. Well, some of these teams might maybe playing 
maybe looking to sell or maybe looking to be on a little bit of a decrease or a decline throughout the uh, the dog days of summer. But that's kind of my take right now. Um, Angels are making moves. Perry's being aggressive, and I, I I really cannot be happier with the the status of where we're at right now. And and AJ, we don't have Trout, we don't have Ohapi, we don't have Drury, we we don't have a lot of these guys, and and we're still managing to have a super super hot start to the second half, and that's that's got to be really nice to see as well as that when we get these guys back we're going to have so many great depth and bench pieces to hopefully you know bring in for late game situations so i mean right now you got to be thinking as well we're doing this all without stars that were such high level impactful players that right now should be back in the next you know week to three weeks we could be looking at middle of august and you could have all those guys back in the lineup right now but that that's my case and that's my take right now on what the angels uh currently are yeah in regards to the injuries i think that people get tired when you complain about injuries right but sometimes i think it just comes down to um, trying to look at the facts and in my you know anecdotal sort of observation of watching this team pretty much uh, day in day out the team gets wor- just way worse when you have to start using um, guys like Andrew Velasquez every single day instead of in his more designated uh, pinch run, pinch uh, you know defensive sub role. When you have to start um, you know calling guys up uh, spontaneously from the minor leagues to fill in the gaps because other guys are going to the IL, it's no surprise to me, Travis, that when Zach Neto and um, uh, more out of the bullpen when they both come back off the IL all of a sudden we start winning a couple more series we win a couple more games we get a little bit hot um, I think it'll be no surprise to me as well when when Drury comes back hopefully um, in a week from now or maybe less um, when he does come back that's another infield piece that's going to only help us um, offensively and he also had a pretty solid glove at second base this season so um, I'm looking at um, the additions, not only at the trade deadline, but the additions from guys um, coming off the injured list, rejoining the team. There's so many guys, Travis, that have been hurt this year that you start to forget how many guys are out. Like Travis, remember Ben Joyce? Remember how like untouchable he was for like a week and, yeah. then, and then got hurt? It's like, dude, this guy was an immediate impact upon call-up. He made... I think he made an appearance against the White Sox and the Astros in his first two appearances. And, like, those guys didn't know what to do against, like, 103 above the zone. Like, they were just swinging and, and, and looking foolish. So, you know, he is supposed to be back at some point. He was just moved to the 60-man IL today, but I think he's still eligible to come back either, like, late August or I'm not 100% sure. It will come down to, of course, his rehabbing process. But um, Trout... Uh, is already doing some on-field work. I think he was doing some light, uh, dry swings. Still uh, going to have to kind of wait and see how the hand feels. Uh, Ohapi will be returning this season. Everyone is saying, don't know exactly when that will be, but he has been behind the plate a bit. I think it really just comes down to the rehab process and how things feel in the coming weeks. All that to say, Travis, I think the way the team is playing right now, they're in a very good spot. I would be lying if I didn't say I I fear the schedule in August. I think our next 25 games are against teams that currently have winning records. Um, all that kind of means is, you know, no breaks. 
Like it is the, the gauntlet is beginning. Yes. Um, and if we can somehow get through this, like we will be more prepared for a playoff situation than anybody. We will like we will be battle tested if we yep. can get through this, this this stretch here. So, I mean, that obviously Otani's playing like the unanimous MVP that he is most likely going to win. Um, guys like Taylor Ward, and Mickey Moniak are getting hot um, at a really good time. Zach Neto uh, flashing the leather today in a big way. Uh, Renhifo is someone who can be at the bottom or top of the lineup depending on the day. He has been uh, trending very positively the last couple of weeks. And I think the middle of the lineup, guys like Renfro, guys like Moustakis, guys like Escobar, there's just there's enough, there's enough depth there, right? Cabbage, there's enough depth where I can feel comfortable any given day. One of these guys is probably going to hit like a double in a, yeah. in a big spot, yeah. so something like that, you know? There's just enough guys that are that are doing their thing. Um, with with track records of of success yes and so getting guys like trout back um you know getting guys like jury back it will only reinforce that i'm, I'm trying to imagine travis this team i mean it, even if we get rendon back there's still at least like three weeks out um before we you know think about even bringing him off the il but imagine if rendon trout or hoppy all come back it's like we're looking at we're looking at a team that is gonna have like three or four like really solid at least average players on the bench and that's that that's a playoff level um offensive and defensive depth that we are not used to seeing as angels fans in recent years so that's a really big deal to me travis is um if we're perfectly healthy and things go perfectly then we're gonna have a really deep roster and even if things don't go perfectly and rendon stays hurt and maybe a hoppy takes him a, lo- a little bit longer to come back than we hoped um, we're still going to be in a pretty good spot because of these additions we're making. Um, last note on the Angels uh, trade deadline stuff. There's been these whispers about, you know, Heimer Candelario, potentially Angels. I think, I forget who reported it, if it was Morosi or... It was Mar- uh, Morosi, yeah. John Morosi tweeted, like, Angels have been in contact with the Nationals on, on uh, Heimer Candelario. Travis, here's one thing I've been able to observe um, the last three, four, five years following every Angels beat reporter, every, you know, I, I have notifications for Passan, for Rosenthal, for, you know, all those guys. Um, whenever there's any trade buzz or whatever it might be, I feel like I am getting notifications on my phone for it. The truth is, somehow the Angels, whatever they do, it never leaks. Everything, trust, when was the last big acquisition, trade, free agency signing that we made that you felt like was going to happen like the day before? Yeah. It doesn't happen. Like when we traded for Renfro, it was a complete surprise. The day before, like there was no whisper whatsoever. Yeah. It was it was Mitch Hanniger <laughs> for, that we were whispered for free agency, but and, then, yeah, pivoted to Renfro. And then and then Urshelo, that trade, absolutely out of nowhere. Um the like things like DFAing Pujols, uh, firing Madden, stuff like that's always a crazy surprise in the moment. Um, and this trade for Gilito Travis, like no whisper whatsoever, right? So I'm not sure what it is about the Angels front office that really keeps everything tied up, but it almost makes me think that the Candelario is not going to happen just because I'm not sure who quote-unquote leaked that maybe someone in the nationals are yeah. trying to drum up some sort of like oh let's get let's get some conversation going and say that the angels maybe the angels are checking in on, on prices i'm sure they're doing their due diligence a lot of different players from a lot of different teams but 
I just feel like, um, you know, the GM Perry, I'm an Asian, is cooking something up. And I feel like whatever it is, it could drop at any moment and it will probably surprise us it, it, yes. is my kind of main point. So, And Giolito was a surprise. We, we just literally got a, a pass and report that said... <laughs> Pass and bomb. Yeah, pass and bomb that uh, that Giolito and, and Lopez are headed to the Angels. And, you know, from that moment, you're like, wow, like that that's another shocker. Did not even see that coming. It was There was no whispers at all. They just said that Shohei is going to be, you know, not being traded. And and then from that moment, you're like, well, hopefully we can go out there and get some pitching. But who are we going to go out there and get? And then, you know, Giolito is being whispered to the Orioles or to the Dodgers. And I was like, that'll, Texas, that'll probably yeah. happen. But, I mean, for – the angels to go out there and snag him. That was just totally out of the blue. So I, I, I really understand your point. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other guys like Moustakis and Escobar complete surprises when they happened. Um, pretty much every move like Tyler Anderson, uh, when Syndergaard happened, when Aaron loop happened, like all these deals, it's just funny how I just like get the notification and it's done. We have them. It's like, there was never any buildups. So. Resigning uh, Kurt Suzuki though was, was mentioned. So that was when we brought him back. That was a, that was a whisper that it was, you know, I think there was a whisper that, you know, this guy should uh, go back to Hawaii. Look, look how good we're doing now with young catchers. That's like, Travis, it's so sad that we like, wanted like our, our catching OPS and our catching hitting numbers this year from the last couple of years. It's, it's astonishing how good and how much better we are at the catching spot, both, defensively and also um offensively it, it truly is remarkable the, uh we've been we've been saying uh not only in suzuki's first season but when we offered him the second season that was a joke it was <laughs> it was so clear to us that why do we have dice rotting in triple a relearning the catcher's position just to leave him down there and give a 40 year old kurt suzuki um like over a million dollar contract to be, you know, the veteran presence, quote unquote, and just like pull fly balls to left fielder every at bat. But well, meanwhile, Dice right now has, you know, a, a seven eighteen OPS and is a a good league average ball player right now. And especially, yeah, as someone who is still young, was a former first round pick, someone you want to bank on, right? Someone that you want to try to make him into something valuable for your team, and he has been uh, very solid in his role this year. Um, we could keep up on the angels for all day but i guess one final note what do you think we target what is what what do you think happens we have you know the candelario thing is yeah. interesting but we do have so many infielders even if Rendon does not come back yeah i could still name you like seven infielders that we can just you deploy. literally have three you know moose escobar cabbage and even sometimes renfro the I mean, all playing first base Moose Escobar. When Drury comes back, he plays first base. Yeah, and then right now, you know, um, Andrew Velasquez and Renjifo have been doing, you know, I, I would say a, a pretty nice job so far in the second half, just kind of keeping the posi position locked down with Neto uh, missing a couple days here and there, but, you know, Neto being that glue so far for that infield. Um, yeah, I mean, we have so many infielders. It, it would be nice to, of course, get another guy that's, that's having a hot season like Candelario, um, but... I think also as well, you know, would would starting pitching be another look because, you know, you look at our rotation right now, Otani, uh, Detmers, Giolito, and Sandoval. Those are four guys I I truly, Alex, can like put some real trust on. Um, Silseth, Canning, and Tyler Anderson, um, three guys that are kind of at different points this season. Canning is have, having a spectacular year. Silseth 
when he has his moment, he's having a very good uh, year as well. And then Tyler Anderson is just, it's been a disappointing year. He's had some good starts here and there, but I almost look at, will that fifth starting pitching spot be another person to go after and get? And I think I mentioned to you today um, with, with, you know, like the San Francisco Giants, will they be a seller? Will they be a buyer? A guy like uh, uh, Alex Cobb bringing him back because he has been spectacular and he is going to be another two month rental. But I don't know what the, the starting pitching market looks like for some of these guys and what some of these teams will want. I also want us to get the right person, not a guy that just is, you know, going to just fill a spot and we're going to say, okay, good, go out there and, and, and run with it. But I want to make sure that, uh, that we get a guy that's going to be, you know, useful in that role. And so maybe starting pitching is another aspect, another place where we go out there and attack and, and say, you know, um, we want to have five guys in our rotation that are quality and trusted starting pitchers um, because we already have the depth in the outfield. We already have the depth in the infield and that's, that's how we're going to run with it for the next two months. So um, yes, I could see a corner infielder being a, being a guy that we can go out there and get, but I think also, um, Pitching, pitching, pitching has just been, it should be a, a strong uh, place to look at because I think this year, Alex, our, our starting pitching ERA is, it, it's not good. It's, 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 it's definitely had some bumps in the roads. It's, it's been very good as of late, but uh, throughout the season, it, it ha- definitely has gone through, through some rough stretches. And uh, the bullpen ERA, Travis, I think maybe a month and a half ago or something it was like fourth best in baseball yeah and all of a sudden i checked the leaderboards last night um before the double header today we were like 19th like they fell off so starting fast. pitching and bullpen have switched now <laughs> it, it, and, it, and it's because it feels like that coincides with of course quijada and austin austin warren um getting season ending injuries also uh Matt Moore going on the injured list now. Of course, he's back. Bachman, but yeah. it, it really, it re- yes, Bachman going the injured, injured list as well. It really came down to us needing to sort of rely more heavily on Estevez, on Davinsky, on Webb, um, Soriano too. I've seen him the, pitch a lot, but yeah, the, these guys um, who have been very uh, valuable in my opinion just asking too much of them perhaps um, because not enough depth. And then therefore um, you call up guys like her, get you send them back down. You're kind of soul searching for the middle slash bottom end of the, uh, the bullpen. And I think bringing in a guy like Ronaldo Lopez is a big move. Travis, he had some very good stuff plus numbers on, Eno Saris's model. Um, Travis, there's some things in baseball stats where I'll be honest, I don't fully understand it, but I trust it more than I trust a lot of things just because I know that, you know, so much data goes into it. And when a player has good stuff plus, it just tells me that um, they're going to be good at, at inducing swing and miss. I think that Ronaldo Lopez's fastball hits triple digits, something that our bullpen has always kind of lacked the last few years. Most of our... Um, maybe like Rizel Iglesias and um, Estevez, like the the ninth inning guys have a bit of velocity, like maybe mid to high 90s. But if we're talking triple digits, I mean, outside of uh, Ben Joyce, it's been almost like nobody, like consistently hitting um, those high numbers. But I think adding a high velo guy for seventh, eighth inning scenarios is going to be very helpful. Um, Another kind of weapon for coaching staff to kind of deploy in, in certain matchups. I think adding more bullpen help would be even more beneficial. Um, last quick note here. I just see a tweet um, just 
actually this was this afternoon, I guess, Robert Murray, MLB Insider, um, he posted a podcast episode, and apparently he um, on the Angels said that they're not done, they're far from done, they have had conversations looking for infield help, they've had conversations about trying to upgrade other parts of their roster as well. That sounds to me a lot like Perry Manassian, Travis, whenever they ask the Angels GM, what are you looking to address, whether it be the trade deadline, offseason? Everything. He says the same thing every time. He's like, I think we're going to look for some good starting pitching because every team needs good starting pitching. We're going to look for position players who are going to help uh, contribute to winning the ball games, and we're going to try to get some bullpen arms. Like, okay, bro, you just said everybody. Like, you just said yeah, yeah. you're going to target everybody. And that's just his way, Travis, I think, of not really telling the media and the other teams what our game plan is. It's a great and, answer. Yeah. And I'm completely okay with that. You know, you don't want to give them breadcrumbs because um, then those teams might, you know, kind of change their expectations on what they're going to expect in a trade or a yep. signing or whatever it might be. So I'm very okay with it, but I'm just relieved to hear that the Angels are not done, according to Robert mm-hmm. Murray, MLB Insider. Travis, um, let's just try to switch it up here uh, for the sake of listeners who have heard a little bit too much Otani and Angels talk um in recent days but travis where should we go next here well we can uh l- let's let's go on with the updates for the trades um the crosstown rival dodgers you know they, they've been they've been busy as well the, uh, the two most active teams uh yeah. la la angels and dodgers yeah so right now the dodgers um uh their first trade was of course a uh a sentimental a, a lot of dodger fans are uh, very, very happy to see um, their quote-unquote king back in uh, Dodger blue. But Kike Hernandez uh, is coming back. He is back with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, he was in a trade with the Red Sox. Um, again, he is another guy that's on a two, basically on a two-month rental because his contract expires at the end of the season. But um, was a very good utility piece for the Dodgers in a lot of those successful postseason runs. So I think that that adds... Um, that adds some value and a good spark plug for that team as well. Um, he is a very lively guy that I think can really boost the roster and uh, get the get the most out of certain guys. So he was acquired in a trade um, a couple days back, and then yesterday uh, the uh, Guardians and the Dodgers made a trade. The Guardians sent uh, shortstop infielder Ahmed Rosario to the Dodgers. In return, the Dodgers sent over Noah Syndergaard. So a very I I. I it's an interesting trade. It, it's not a trade that you would typically see between both sides. Um, I, I think Rosario is a a decent shortstop. I know he has very good speed. There are, I, I think, over the last couple of seasons, Alex, like there, are, you know, m- most of his career, that he just has lacked like a power aspect to his game, which yes. kind of makes him a little bit of a old school shortstop. Not anything compared to what we see today with Correa, Trey Turner, Seager, Tatis when he did play short or uh or bogarts but um he is a speedster a uh a i don't even know if he's actually even a good defensive shortstop alex i know i have some data on that he has some he has had some decent plays uh at the, at the shortstop position but he's going to the dodgers and noah Syndergaard is going to the guardians again i don't think Noah Syndergaard really does anything to really move that needle for the guardians no um and so that doesn't really feel like a win for them. And then also with Ahmed Rosario, uh, I know Miguel Rojas, who's been their shortstop for basically the whole entire season, just really hasn't been cutting it. So Rosario, as expected, should become that full-time shortstop 
for the Dodgers. And again, we'll see what happens. I know the Dodgers have had good success with turning these diamonds in the rough, or, you know, uh, these, the, yeah, diamonds in the rough into, you know, just yeah, full out superstars. But uh, what do you make so far of the move? So uh, with 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 Kike and Ahmed going to uh, going to L.A. I have quite a few thoughts on this, Travis. I will start with this. The biggest indication to me is the Dodgers are acknowledging that unfortunately Jose Rojas. Am I getting his name right? Yeah, Miguel uh, Rojas. Uh, Miguel, Miguel. Miguel Rojas. You're thinking of the uh, Anaheim native. Yeah, I'm thinking of former Angel Jose. Um, <laughs> Miguel Rojas. Uh, shortstop for them all season has not been doing a good enough job, uh, particularly offensively, Travis. His offensive numbers simply um, are not good enough on a team that has, you know, I mean, no matter what the Dodgers season is looking like, they have the talent to consider themselves, you know, uh, World Series contenders, at least, you know, NLCS contenders, and they don't want there to be uh, offensive liability um, anywhere on their lineup. They don't have enough infield depth, Travis. I mean, one kind of key indicator of that is that they have Mookie Betts, um, of of course, many-time Gold Glove-winning right fielder, playing middle infield for them. He's playing shortstop games in the year 2023 as a 30-year-old man or however old he is. It's really um, a testament to his skill and ability, but also a testament to the lack of trust in other middle infield options for the Dodgers at the moment. Um, looking at Miguel Ross's stats this season, Travis, 221 batting average, 279 on base, 268 slugging. It when is that, when that slug is lower than the on base, you kind of got to think to yourself. And they're like, both below 300. Yeah, yeah, and they're it's, both below 300. Then you got it's really rough. A 49 OPS plus. I mean, I don't have the leaderboard here. Has to be one of the worst hitters in baseball this season. And Dodgers are a team with, of course, understandably high standards um, for the players in their team. So they wanted better production. They're going out there and getting more options for themselves. Kike Hernandez, my first thought was he'll be playing a lot of shortstop. Then they go out and get Ahmed Rosario. So I actually am thinking it's more likely that Kike will be playing lots of outfield with lots, some lots of everywhere. <laughs> with some, of course, infield um, versatility as he is uh, known to do. And then also have Ahmed Rosario be a middle infielder who also plays the outfield too. So it's very interesting. Travis, I'll also uh, include this note here. When they signed Kike Hernandez, or when they agreed to a trade, rather, um, I did immediately see some Dodgers uh, beat beat writers saying that the Dodgers hitting coaches have already identified things in Kike's swing as a Red Sox that they wanted to make tweaks on, and that tells me that as always, the Dodgers have a plan here. Um, even though Kike has not had the best offensive season by any means, ever since it feels like the 2021 uh, crazy playoff run that he had, um, maybe teams got a little bit too exposed to him and kind of saw his approach and found ways to kind of counter him. But he's not been as effective offensively, yes, um, to put yeah. it to put it plainly. I think the Dodgers are going to make tweaks that are going to be effective. And the reason I think that is because they do it every time with yes. every guy. Yep. Um, they bring Hayward. Um, back to being all of a sudden a, a plus offensive player. They bring Trace Thompson, who gets cut by the Brewers. Like he's just like a free for a free for grabs. They grab him. He immediately becomes like, oh, this guy is three home run game mashing yeah. the ball. He's yeah. hitting like five home runs in a week. It's like, what is going on? Um, so they have a knack for uh, making smart pickups on the fringes, turning them into very valuable pieces. So I suspect that 
you know, either one of, of, of Hernandez or Rosario will be highly impactful for the rest of the season just because the Dodgers turn these guys into gold, it seems. A final note, um, something very interesting that I saw. So both of these guys, Travis, have actually had pretty poor defense this season and their offense has not been that impressive either. So I have some numbers here, but um, the first thing I'm noticing is Ahmed Rosario. According to outs above average on StatCast in 2023 at the shortstop position, negative 15. It's definitely one of the worst outs above average in baseball thus far. Um, and... And what does that mean? I'll suppose, yeah. It's StatCast's way of determining how um, how you're converting outs on the defensive end. So it has a really cool breakdown of um, like the direction the defender has to go. Okay. So it looks like Ahmed Rosario, like moving laterally towards third base at a shortstop, he's zero, meaning gotcha. he's, he's average. Um, moving laterally towards first base, he's minus four. So not, not as good going to his left. Um, going back, he's minus two and going in, he's minus nine. So I'm not, I'm not sure if that has to do with like him getting bad reads on the ball. Um, not sure. I mean, he's quick, so that's not the issue. So, I mean, I'll be honest, Travis, I've not been studying Rosario, uh, defensive (laughs) film, but the numbers I'm seeing here on StatCast are, uh, frankly concerning if you want a good defensive shortstop. Um, but I think Miguel Rojas has been a pretty solid defender. So I'm not sure if they're mm-hmm. planning a bit of a offense-defense kind of component there, kind of hoping Ahmed Rosario can be a league average hitter. Um, he already hits for decent contact, maybe convert him into a bit more power with some tweaks to his swing. And then um, if you need the defense later in the game, you can switch him in for Miguel Rojas. Um, Kike Hernandez-Travis has also been... Um, a minus defender it's uh hard to track him because he plays around the field of course but there is a a good breakdown here on uh stat cast he is plus one in center field this season he's minus two at second base and he's minus 13 at shortstop so he is definitely not a good defensive shortstop this season um, even looking back to last season, he was an average shortstop, but a plus center fielder. And year before that, he was an average shortstop and a plus 10 center fielder. So a lot of his value defensively comes in the outfield. Kike Hernandez infield, it's not going to be as good. Um, so I think he should be playing mostly out there. I could see him, him being a really good platoon option um, in center field for um, James Outman, especially because DeLuca had been getting a lot of right-handed uh reps in center field and he just uh, pulled a hamstring or something like that so he's gonna miss um some time so hernandez i think slots in perfectly for them in the platoon role i think even the dodgers said they have discussed it with kike everyone's on the same page it's a platoon role he Mm -hmm. is going to um mash lefties most likely play outfield play utility but travis um last note kind of on this little uh rant that i'm on um this twitter account posted that there are two qualified MLB players this season with an OPS below 680 and a negative six outs above average or worse. 
the Dodgers acquired both of them in consecutive days. <laughs> so it sounds like these guys aren't having good seasons. And 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 I don't want to act like I'm piling on because I am always fully convinced that the Dodgers can make tweaks with guys to turn them into gold. Um, but I just want to say this. These guys have not had super productive seasons uh, by any met by any measure, defensively or offensively. I think the Dodgers will find the best ways to use them. And I always think the Dodgers have a plan. So I'm not writing them off in any way. But it is, to me, very interesting that there are two moves so far at the deadline. A team that wants to win it all um, have been very, in my mind, um, on the edges. And I'm wondering yep. if a big splash is coming. So do you think... There's been some buzz about Arenado today on Twitter. I'm not sure if you've seen any of that. but I've seen a lot of it, yep. I, I don't think I would bet on that happening. I feel like the Cardinals... Maybe they want to get off the contract. I'd be kind of surprised. But um, what move do you think makes sense um, for the Dodgers? And we didn't, we didn't touch on the Thor piece, actually, going to the Guardians. I, I, I don't think that there's much impact there. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to touch on it either, yeah. I, I think I saw a tweet, Travis, and someone said, if if Thor really was the only return for Ahmed Rosario, that means the, that means the uh, Guardians GM literally just... Are do it. They're doing a money ball, and they're just forcing a Francona to stop playing Rosario at shortstop yeah, because yeah. the defense has been so bad mm-hmm. um, by Statcast. But back to the Dodgers. Um, what move do they need to make? I, I I mean, I look at their starting staff, and they they I just think they need to make starting pitching moves. I mean, Kershaw still out on the IL right now. Gonsolin, um, who definitely has regressed from what he, what he was last year. Uh, Julio Urias, who definitely has regressed from what he was last year. Grove has an ERA north of six. Sidigar is now gone, of course. Bobby Miller um, has had some very good starts here and there, but he has not been consistent. And then, you know, you got guys out there like Emmett Sheehan, who is a young prospect uh, making starts and some other guys here and there. But I just don't know if this starting staff is built to make a deep postseason run. I, I, I look at teams like the Braves. I look at... Um, even team like even the Milwaukee Brewers, who at least have a pretty decent starting staff. Um, and I, I just wonder what is the plan with addressing that area, unless you think that everyone's just going to kind of get better and you're going to make uh, some serious strides come, you know, October. But I just I I'd almost want to see them make a a big splash in the starting pitching market. I thought Giolito was going to be heading over there. I thought that was going to be their big splash. But now they're going to have to pivot to another guy. You know, our, I don't even know if Lance Lynn is 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 a is a good piece. We just haven't seen a good pitcher in Lance Lynn this year. So, I I don't know. I I, I think they have to go the pitching route. I think getting even Arenado with the guys that we heard you know involved in the trade. I know they said Max Muncie and um, Chris Taylor, uh, both guys probably going over to St. Louis with also some prospects. Um, I. I love Arenado. I think he's he's a he's a generational. I think he's a great third baseman and one of the best of uh, of his time. But I don't I don't think that move makes even moves the needle over. I I, re- I truly don't. I just don't think that that's really going to be a huge huge piece. I know a lot of Dodger fans would be happy. I know so far Dodger fans are really eager and hopeful that they can get Arenado because you know on paper this infield looks so deadly and this team looks so great. I mean you're having Arenado, you have Freeman, you have Betts, you have so many good baseball players so many guys that are on the fast track to cooperstown um 
I don't think that that team really meshes and that they are able to uh, really be successful. I think pitching has to be the biggest concern to address right now. I just don't see this staff um, being being valuable, being successful in a deep postseason and playoff run. So that's kind of my piece right now. I just they've had a tough time all year with starting pitching. I think Alex, we looked at it and they're they were like in the bottom. 10 for for starting pitching era and so they i think they just definitely need to, need to address that we're not seeing the dodgers of past where you're having a two a two four tyler anderson you know era kershaw who again is unbelievable uh walker bueller who is unbelievable where you know in the past we've seen dodgers starting pitching and and it's just been uh remarkable it's been it's like you mentioned i think last year 110 wins or whatever how many wins they got and i think you mentioned it, it was the best like club or, or staff era in history or, or it, it was yeah the, the, the pitching stats were on a historic level the the last uh since i think 2020 to now 2020 through 2022 dodgers were setting all-time records for era plus numbers this season have been bottom half of the league in era so it's 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 clearly uh, the difference between years past and today um, this season. So I do think the pitching, I, I, I love your point. I think pitching needs to be addressed. I think that um, the Dodgers are as aware as any team about kind of what needs to change in order for them to kind of make sure they solidify their playoff standing and win their division and take care of business. It's funny how they can, it feels like they have so many more holes than years past, Travis. Yet they still manage to uh, just dominate series, right? I mean, of course they'll lose some here and there. Um, they've shown some vulnerabilities this season, but they still feel like such a unit of a team. Um, Dodger fans might not like it as much this year because they're not quite as dominant as years past. But I still feel like they're gonna run away with the division here in the closing months. We'll see how the Diamondbacks uh, and Giants fare, but and Padres, I guess. But you know, they're a whole another conversation. But mm -hmm. um, Travis, we should keep it rolling. Um, other trades that happened, other deals at the deadline here, Carlos Santana going to the Brewers from the Pirates. Um, my first reaction to this is I actually am high on Carlos Santana. I think a couple years ago when he was with Kansas City, I thought that like his career was almost kind of over. Like I thought it was just kind of a wrap. Um, but I don't think I, I took enough, enough of a, enough of a hard look some of the stats but um when seattle got him last year travis he really kind of transformed into i mean it sounds weird to say it, but i would say an elite slugger he yeah. really has um not the most amazing contact but has power has great discipline doesn't chase bad pitches generates lots of walks and still manages to avoid strikeouts decently enough above average this was all last season's numbers i'm talking about um, not the fastest not gonna play amazing defense but if he's at first or if he's dh'ing or whatever it might be um i would say above average for his position last season this season um hasn't been quite as good in my estimation um it looks like some of his power numbers have slipped a bit some of the hard hit numbers are a bit down this year, but he's still good at getting walks, avoiding strikeouts, not chasing bad pitches. Um, still, I think uh, a plus ball player in my estimation, Travis. He is 37. That's a, you know, definitely getting up there. A very, very on brand for the Brewers. Like not a big splashy deadline move. They just think they can get some value by adding the switch hitter piece. 
um, to their offense. The Brewers are in an interesting spot, Travis. I still feel like they are. I don't know. I mean, them and the Reds. I I don't know what to make of that of, of the either Central Division really. But um, do you think this moves the needle for the Brewers? Do they need to do more? Um, I, what's up? That that division is so weird. Um, you know, with, with the Cubs being third and six games back, I think that they at you know I don't think the Cubs are going to make some miraculous run. I know right now they're they're floating out. You know, Cody Bellinger being on the move and being on the trade uh, block, but it's going to come down to a you know a tight finish between the Reds and the Brewers. Um, I mean, I will say this: I don't know if they need to make another. I, I'll say this. I just don't see them making a a, a deep postseason run if they get in. So it's I, I don't think that even making a crazy uh, deadline move is just going to be enough to make yourself, you know, a true World Series contender. Now, give me, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I think getting into the playoffs is the biggest hurdle. Once you're in, anything can happen. We can see a a team that only has, you know, 88 wins like the Braves a couple years ago. Uh, make it all the way and just get on a three-week hot streak and you know by the end of it you're you know the world series champion but i i think that they have a team right now that's built to win this division i think they can win it um in you know a a couple games up on the uh cincinnati reds but i just don't i don't know i think carlos santana is a very nice piece he's i i think i said it in the offseason when the pirates picked them up we were asking ourselves you know what do you make of this deal and what do you make of this you know signing and um, I remember saying it's one of those it's it's a great move because the Pirates will be trading him probably in July for some prospects or for something else. Um, they have Rich Hill as well. Rich Hill is definitely getting some uh, I think he's getting some consideration by some teams as well because Rich Hill continuously has an ERA that's under like a four five and he always is out there pitching every fifth day. So that holds a lot of value for a lot of ball clubs. But I, I don't I don't really know what to make of it. I I, I don't not a, I, not a needle mover. It seems I, I, like again, I don't book. I don't have too much trust in the Brewers right now to really be a, a juggernaut. If they were to get into the playoffs and win the division, I think that they would be a I don't want to see an easy lock to be eliminated in the first round, even though they'll be the three seed and they'll play the six seed. I think the six seed would uh, it, it would have a would have a pretty I'm not saying easy time with them, but I think they would they could they could at least handle them in three games or so. But um, it's baseball. Anything can happen. But right now, again, I, I think that they're they're safe to kind of just stay put with the team they got. Yelich has been hitting really well. That that that's a that's a really good sign for them. They have a lot of young contributors, too, as well. So I think so far that is something that they really need to focus on and build off of. And then, of course, the starting pitching as well. Um, keep keep chugging away with that but yeah I, I don't really know what to make i guess the next big question is what will the reds be making of uh of, of these moves with the uh, with the brewers are they going to be buyers are they going to be looking to be aggressive but um i think that pretty much covers up most of the the free agent or at least the tra- sorry not free agent the trade news so far um that has been occurring so you, anything you, else you want to cover yeah you mentioned yelich we'll do a quick little bit on the two players, Travis, that for some reason ever since 2019 have been linked, Yelich and Bellinger. Um, Yelich, you mentioned him. I've had him in fantasy. I've been loving having him in fantasy. He has been. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure 
what all has changed. He's actually walking a bit less than the years past, the last two seasons, but he's always been still good at walking. Um, the slugging is just back up. I'm not sure if he's elevating. He might be elevating the ball a bit more. The average is up. Could be the same result. Could be the shift ban helping out a bit. But his uh, on base is up at a 379. His slugging is at a 487. Both uh, are highs since his 2019 uh, MVP runner-up season. He's already at a 3.7 Fangraphs war on the year. He has a 135 WRC plus on the year. He has uh, 15 homers and 22 steals. Um, You know, Travis, he's like on pace for like, you know, like a 25 and 35 season with he actually still playing good defense um, by the numbers, walking a lot, Um, you know, not insane, insane power, but still like great exit velocity. When he gets a hold of it, he crushes it. Um, I think he's such a underrated ball player because of what we ex- what we kind of thought he would become as like the next like you know I don't even know the next Ken Griffey or something like that. He was looking like he was going to be a generational you know forty home run a year kind of guy. Um, that was unfortunately short lived, but he has turned things back around into being someone who in my mind should be like an all star uh, caliber guy. Cody Bellinger, on the other hand, Travis. Um, he's, I think, on a trade block. And we'll, yeah. we'll see if the Cubs end up deciding to sell, um, go all in on the sell, or if they kind of um, do a little dance at the deadline. And I feel like like last year, Travis, they could have sold um, Contreras and Hap, and they held on to both guys. Hap's still there. Contreras walked for nothing. I feel like they could have gotten value from guys like that. We'll see if they decide to commit to a direction this trade deadline, but if they commit to sell, uh, Bellinger would certainly be viable to a handful of teams who need outfield help, who need left-handed bat. He's been, uh, Bellinger's been one of the hottest bats um, of the last few weeks, maybe last month or so. Um, so any thoughts on those two guys? Uh, any teams make uh, sense as a fit for Bellinger in your mind? I know the Yankees have been linked to Bellinger. They they need some outfield help because I, I, I don't know what the timeline looks like for Judge. So... Yeah, that's obviously a move that they could make. And being a lefty bat at uh, Yankee Stadium, that could be you know a good piece. Um, not, not too. Not I don't really see it. What else or who else might be a good piece for Bellinger? I, I know Adolis Garcia came out of a of a of a Rangers game a couple nights ago. I don't know what that status looks like. I know the Rangers are adding pieces. Um, they've already added Chapman, so. I'm sure that with Angels being aggressive, that they're going to probably start looking at some more pieces to go out there and get um, Seager also with a sprained wrist, I believe, a couple nights ago. So the Rangers are dealing with a couple of guys on the IL. So maybe they can go out there and get some reassurance in their lineup. But um, yeah, I, I, I know that I, for me, the Cubs have to be sellers. They have to get rid of him. I think they also tr- try your hardest to get rid of Stroman. I just feel like the Cubs... You know they've got Dansby the off in the off season, and I, I think they just had that idea that you know hey we can we can really win you know and you know in this division yeah I I think that this division is definitely winnable because we're seeing that I think every team Alex maybe not the Cubs or maybe not even the Cardinals but I feel like every team in this division has had a claim at first place sometime this year you know the Pirates were on a really hot start they cooled off now they're in last place. Um, Cincinnati got first place a couple of weeks ago. Now, of course, Milwaukee has reclaimed it. But um, 
the Cubs are a team I just I you have to kind of be a seller. I I just don't see them trying to be competitive right now. They're a game under 500. Um, that wild card in the, in the National League is so competitive. So I I, I want teams that the, I want teams to actually feel the um, feel the pressure of you know let's go the safe route and let's just sell some of these guys that are on one year deals or guys that are expiring and uh, let, let's get some prospect. Let's go out there and build for the future. So. Um, I know it's tough to say as an Angels fan because people, the whole entire baseball world said, well, why don't you sell the greatest asset in history and uh, then you can go out there and get some prospects. But with the Angels situation, you kind of got to understand right now we're playing such good baseball. And also you got, uh, you know, Mike Trout is on the team and, and so many other superstars are on the team that, you know, if everyone's clicking, I mean, the team is kind of unstoppable with everyone clicking on the on the Chicago Cubs, they're lucky if they're going to be 500. So that, that's kind of my outtake or output on it. It's funny looking at the run differentials in the NL Central. Somehow the Cubs are the only team above or with a positive run differential, and they are plus 48, which is like not mm-hmm. even that. Like it's better than the Phillies, Miami. It's better than uh, the Giants. The, it's better than Diamondbacks. Like it's really crazy how... They actually are, by run differential, not a bad team at all, but I agree their record has them like five and a half or six out of the division. Um, Wild card is going to be a long shot just because, like you said, it's so competitive. Um, There's going to be like, I think, five or six teams in the NL vying for um, the three wild card spots, and they're all going to you know, be well above 500. The Cubs, I don't know which way they're going to take. I, I I agree with what you're saying, that they need to commit to a direction. I just don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be completely stunned if they tried to buy. Like, I just think that they um, they may just feel a bit greedy um, being, you know, a team that hasn't made the playoffs um, in a couple years here and might want to, you know, make a splash. So um, I could see it either way. But I agree, they have enough rentals where they could definitely get good profit, build towards something kind of bigger and better in the near future. Um, you know, more towards the middle of Swanson's contract, perhaps. But um, Travis, and there was another trade. I think Jorge Lopez to the Marlins um, for Floro. Yeah, which again, very we, low key move. Yeah, we, we, it's kind of just a trade off. Again, I, I think that the Twins and the Marlins love just making these uh equal part trades where both teams are going to be happy so again i i don't i think the gms have each other on speed dial they just yeah. say who do you got and yeah. they just and, and it's funny even going back because i saw a tweet and it just said you know looking back at the twins and their trades it's it's it just hasn't been it's it, been ugly it, it's, it's been yeah ugly. yeah it ha, it, it's it's been ugly now you know pablo lopez uh, I, he's a valuable guy right now for the team but you know going back to last year they got uh jorge lopez from the orioles and they gave up, uh, I think it's Yenier Cano. Yes. And now Yenier Cano is a absolute juggernaut. He would be... And Jorge Lopez fell off. Yeah, yeah. And Jorge Lopez fell off. So again, you're looking at a guy that would have been so valuable with uh, uh, Johan Duran in that bullpen. I, I have the tweet here. You sent it to me and I found it really quick. Um, it says the Twins 2022 trade deadline was a disaster. They traded... Uh, for Tyler Melly from the Reds, they sent the Reds uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand, who became uh, somewhat of a high-rated prospect. I just debuted for them. Spencer Steer, who is a high-rated youngster, um, has been good for them this season. And wow, then, both of those guys. 
Yeah. Wow. I did, not, Tyler, I, I did not read Spencer Steer. Wow. And then um, uh, Stephen Hajar, who I uh, don't know much about, but this was just for 42 innings of Tyler Malley in the <laughs> trade. And then they, they uh, received Jorge Lopez, um, who has thrown 58 innings at a 4.81 ERA for the Twins in his time there. And they gave up Yenier Cano, Cade Pavic, Juan Nunez, and Juan Rojas. I don't know many of those guys, but I do know Yenier Cano has been miles ahead of Jorge Lopez, and then you're sprinkling in extra prospects to boot. They also sent away Ian Hamilton, who is with the Yankees at the moment. With a He has a 1.71 ERA from the bullpen this season in 25 games, 38 Ks in 31 and two-thirds innings. Um, so he has been a really bright spot in the Yankees' pen. They sent away him for... Uh, negative 0.3 war of Sandy Leon. So <laughs> that just goes to kind of show you, um, it goes to show you what a disaster that trade deadline was for the Minnesota Twins. Um, their fans should be hoping that this one is better because I still feel like they do have, um, I mean, anyone has the potential to win that division because it's so weak, but you know, we'll kind of see how it shapes up. Travis, last thing I want to do before we, we wrap up this episode um, the NL wildcard race, we talked about it earlier. It feels like it's, I, I mean, it will be very competitive down the stretch, I believe. Looking at the results, um, th- this is probably before today, but um, Atlanta, the Dodgers, and the Brewers are the current division leaders. Looking at the wildcard race, um, there are currently five teams all within a game, and that would be the San Francisco Giants, Cincinnati Reds, the Philadelphia Phillies, all teams currently in playoff position. And then the Diamondbacks and the Miami Marlins are half game out. And then beyond that, you have four games back Chicago Cubs. You have six and a half back San Diego Padres and seven and a half back Mets. Um, I'm really interested to see how that's going to shape up. Uh, I'm interested to see if the Padres or Mets, it feels like one of them, like, can you put together a good month? We yeah. know you have the talent, yep. both pitching and hitting. Things are not clicking for you, but can you make something happen? One of those teams, like I don't care yeah. which, Padres yeah. or Mets, someone has to make something click for a month here. But mainly those big five, Giants, Reds, Phillies, Diamondbacks, Miami, all within a game. I, it's it's really hard to predict for me because a lot of those teams I didn't really think would be there before the season. Um, any thoughts on how you think that might shape up? Are all those teams going to be buyers? They're all going to go for it? I mean, I, I think Phillies have no other option but to be buyers with how much money they've spent on their team, on you know all, all their assets with Harper and Trey Turner. So I think that Phillies have to be a buying team. Um, I think that... Ooh, I have an immediate update. Oh, Ken Rosenthal. Go ahead. I, I, I was I was hoping to hear that uh, we'd get a little update during the pod. So Ken, Ken Rosenthal, Twitter notifications. This was tweeted now. Uh, breaking Mets are trading David Robertson to the Marlins. So it looks like the Mets might be selling. So I I, I'm, I mean I mean I don't <laughs> think they're going to sell any guys that they have control over. Yep, yep. But the rentals, maybe Canna could be next. There are guys who are going to be expiring this coming off season. Um, they may be punting on this year. So take them out of this equation, perhaps. And also Miami, you are buyers. You are. They, they are. They are trying to win. And 
like we said, they're a half game out of it, so why not? Um, but continue. Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned, uh, Phillies, I think they're going to be buyers. Um, I think I think Arizona as well is going to be buyers. I think with with the success they've gotten and just the talent they have with Zach Gallen, with uh, Corbin Carroll, I think that they have to try and make a push at things. I mean, their their chances as well of the uh, of the division are not over as well. If, if Dodgers were to have some sort of um, un unprecedented uh you know collapse and something that just a rare collapse then you know you could see a team like uh like the diamondbacks uh sliding in there but um cincinnati i also can see being buyers i think that with how much fun we have had watching them this season their ownership might be able to say you know what we we have a strong um we have a strong farm system right now. I think they also, you know, they have uh, what is it? Is it Novelli Marte, who they got last year no, from Novi, yeah. from the uh, Mariners with the Luis Castillo trade. He hasn't even made his debut yet, and they're already a fun and a good team. And, so, and they already have like a backlog of contributing infielders, yeah. middle infield and third yeah. base. So yeah. it's, I mean, we've heard these this buzz about maybe them trading India, um, India, I, and also that of who the hell is that other guy now that I'm trying to think of that was. Um, uh, he, he was he was a high prospect like five four years ago. Um, what position? I think he played infield. I'm literally blanking on him right now. But I, I, I'm not I sure. But up, yeah. I'm not sure. But I, I, it seems like they're looking to flip, not sell um, necessarily, but maybe flip India for a pitching piece that can help them um, still compete this season, more addressing a need. Um, and they know that they don't need India long term because they have Marte coming up. Nick Senzel. Oh, was was he mentioned in a rumor? He was mentioned in a couple of rumors, but that's just because um, he's not having a good season. So that's one reason why you should probably keep him. But uh, he has some control, and I think that some teams can think that they can maybe do some work with him and fix him and make him into a, a pretty productive player. But no, I know India's name was on the trade block. I think uh, Cincinnati will be a team that you might see being aggressive at the at the last point of it. You know, surprisingly enough, Alex, I see the Giants. They're they're right now. They're the fourth seed. They are the best wild card team. You know, I know a two game uh, a two game rough patch can totally end that, and they can find themselves you know out of the wild card. But I I don't know if the Giants will be buyers just because. Again, we, we you're seeing so many of those guys that they have on expiring contracts. Like I mentioned, Cobb. I think uh, Alex Wood is also on an expiring contract. I don't even know if these Clefani is still pitching right now for them or if he is hurt, but I'm pretty sure he's on an expiring contract. And um, I, I just, they have a lot of young pieces. They actually just brought up their number one prospect. I think he is a top 15 in Major League Baseball. I think it's like Lu, Luciano. Um, yeah, Marco, Marco Luciano. Yeah. They, I just saw that they just brought him up. So maybe that's where they kind of are committing to just a younger, uh, a younger age of, uh, of players. And maybe they just want to gear up and get more pieces for that. So I don't know if I see the giants being buyers. Uh, I see them more being sellers. And then also right now we're seeing Miami being buyers. I think Miami has just, I think Miami is surprised that they're in this position and they're probably acting as Cincinnati and Arizona would act as, you know, these situations don't come very often. We have had a, you know, Cincinnati and Arizona have had just, you know, four to five years of just, you know, losing baseball, nothing really bright going on in their organization. So I think that they want to give back to the fans and hopefully make an aggressive run this year and, and, you know, get some excitement, get into a wildcard series and, and, and spark that energy for that fan base. But 
right now, I, I just I don't see the Giants being um, surprisingly enough. I just don't see them being huge, huge buyers. I mean, if the price were to come for a, a good piece and he didn't cost that much, I think that um, that would be something that they could definitely look at. But I think right now, Phillies, uh, Reds, Marlins are showing that they're buying. And then also Arizona. I think those are four teams I would see right now as being buyers. I I don't know what the Padres are going to do. And I don't know what they're really doing right now because they've they floated the name of, you know, Josh Hader is having an unbelievable season. And also Blake Snell. I think Blake Snell is the major league ERA leader right now. I believe now. so. Both guys are... Um, both guys are, are having contracts that end after the season. And they've also they, they basically come out and said that they are not going to trade both those guys. And so I I know the Padres aren't in the they're not in the rebuild uh era of their uh or they're not in the, the rebuild stage right now. They they've I think they've done enough of rebuilding over the last decade that they're like, we need to commit to winning baseball. But these two guys are on expiring contracts. So I feel like why not bring in some youth and some guys that maybe in the offseason you can get creative and trade around and get you know play pieces that are ready to win right now and uh and do so with that but i again i think we were both in the mindset alex where if you are not showing signs of winning i think you need to commit and you know get some sal dump some salaries around and get guys out of the uh get guys out of the organization that can you know help you win next season because i feel like keeping these guys for that I don't know that that hurrah or that you know anything can happen. We can make a push. It it, it kind of gets a little bit uh, foolish, and, and and I think that you could find yourself in just a a difficult spot. Yeah, I, I and I'm glad the Mets are starting to do that. Yeah, the Mets are committing to a direction. It seems um, I'm not sure the Padres will do the same because Padres. I mean, both teams have been very aggressive with acquiring uh, talent. I do think that the Padres, Travis. Um, they're particularly stubborn about being competitive and rightfully <laughs> yeah. so because they've put a lot of money into having really good players in their roster, some of which underperforming this year, like Machado, like Bogarts. Um, I think Soto just got pulled yesterday for like a finger MRI. I don't know anything about that, but, you know, um, people were wondering maybe they'll trade Soto because, I mean, I think he has a year and a half left and you want to get something for him if you don't think you're going to be able to extend them. Maybe they're going to try to go for Otani. I mean, who knows? So... Um, they're going to continue being competitive, whether or not they punt on the last two months, we'll know that in the next week or so. But, um, but Travis, I, I'm really interested to see what happens with Snell and Hader. Like you mentioned, both guys having great seasons. I saw a Musgrove quote today when he was talking to the media and they asked him about his thoughts about the team and, and, and buying or selling or whatever it might be. And he said something to the effect of, um, I know you guys see us, see, you see our record and you think that, you know, um, long term, it'll be better if we sell. But uh, Musgrove said that, you know, if, if, if we get down there two weeks left in the season and we're a game or two out of it, we're going to be kicking ourselves if we got rid of those guys. Yeah, and, true. And, and, and that, that, that's an interesting mindset. And it kind of shows a winning or a bust mindset because you know, if you're a couple games out in the last couple weeks, um, you're kind of living on a prayer, right? But that still might be um, what the team goes for. Because Travis, Padres are kind of similar to the Angels in many ways, where it feels like a week, we really cannot rebuild right now. We have a lot of money and a lot of big names. Um, some of them are some are producing, some aren't. And 
no matter what happens, we kind of have to commit to the winning direction because if we tore everything down, um, it will not go well because guys are going to not want to resign with us in the offseason. Guys are going to maybe be unhappy like a Soto might ask for a trade. Not ask for a trade, but might just have to be traded if they don't think they're going to be able to keep them. So um, I, I just feel like they're in the most interesting spot, the Padres. Um, and I'm excited to talk about them in the next couple of weeks once the deadline deadline has passed and we can kind of say, okay, what are they going to do now? Because they have yeah. um, a tough decision to make on Snell and Hayter. And I wonder what they could get in return. Some people are saying it's a big seller's market um, because they think the, uh, the White Sox got two pretty solid prospects in return for Gilito and Reynaldo Lopez. So, you know, you wonder what Snell could get you. What could Hater get you? If they send both those yeah. guys to the same team, Ooh, yeah. L- like what if... You're getting like two or three top 100 prospects right there. What if the Orioles or the Texas Rangers or someone just like who really thinks that this is their year... They say, we'll just give you our guys. Like both those teams, Texas and Orioles, have great farm systems. You could get like three of their best guys and just say, you know, these guys are more on the age of Tatis and Soto. They're going to be in their early 20s. Let's build around this and kind of kind of get the more controllable guys here. So you imagine that Baltimore bullpen with Hader? It would be absolutely (laughs) stupid. I don't know what they would do. And and, and that's a good point. I mean, do you want to, you want to, diversify and say we'll send snell over here we'll send hate over here and that's going to be the best move or do we send them both in a package and then we're going to be looking at like you mentioned like two or three top 100 prospects coming our way guys that we can really uh build off of and uh you know see for the future or if you, like i mentioned use those guys because i know um is it is it predator predator uh, uh preller 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 for the uh the padres the gm he is just he loves to just make those offseason moves and trades and uh, and make some sneaky uh, deals that are, 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 you know, that usually turn out very well for him. But and and we know Snell is a postseason pitcher. That's one thing that's for sh- for sure and for certain. So I think a team would love to have a guy like him being the uh, being the second or the third guy in their rotation. And uh, they can really, you know, they could really see themselves as having a successful rotation as well as as hater being, you know, um, if, if there's no Felix Batista or there's no uh, Yenier Cano, Josh Hader is probably one of, one of if not the best uh, closer in the game today. Uh, he's just been electric so far this season. I think I mentioned to you last week is that I almost would favor more trading Hader than trading Snell just because I feel like a closer is not going to really move the needle in changing this team's direction. That comes from the starting pitching, and that comes from the offense. Now, of course, a closer's role is so important in locking down that game when the game is over, but I just feel like if you're not using him for three, four nights, he, his value really isn't um, that important. And so it, it's almost a, a obvious move to get him out of there, get some help, get some players in return, and then um, go from there. But I, I, we, it's, it's truly is um, it, a lot of these teams, Alex, it's really cool to see it, it is. They're really taking it day by day. I mean, if the Padres go into this weekend, I don't know who they're playing, but if they go into this weekend and, you know, lose two of three, Monday morning is going to be a very busy morning for uh, Preller and a, the front office of the Padres because they're going to have to really make a tough decision if they want to move forward and really uh, commit to a uh, a winning uh, ball club this year or if they just kind of want to sell some of the guys and look forward to next year. So um, 
a lot of teams, like I mentioned, uh, th this weekend is going to be a huge weekend in baseball because uh, so many teams are riding on uh, what are we going to do with some of these players. Uh, we have tons. There's, there's so much baseball left. I mean, we talked about the Angels. The next three weeks are going to be so incredibly difficult. So many good teams are playing. But the season is still far from over. You still have the entire month of September to play and uh, and, and and a little bit of games in, in October. But, I mean, you're you're looking at kind of you're, – you're almost finalizing your roster of – where are we going to finish the season? And these are the guys we're going to finish the season with. So um, the Padres, like I mentioned, I just think that hour by hour, day by day, they will need to make some some tough decisions if they really want to commit to uh, this year. And Alex, I, I think it's safe to say even if this team were to get hot, the Padres could easily find themselves in a six six seed in the wild card. I think being six and a half games back, I mean, you look at it, you could tell, you could really say to yourself, can we make up three games for the next two months? You know, can we make up three games every month for the next two months and find ourselves in uh, a six seed? I, I think that's an, you can easily do that. They just got to get, uh, they just have to start playing, you know, as, I don't want to say smarter, but they just have to start uh, winning ball games as a team. They're, they're not doing that right now. Yeah, it's, it's risky, of course. Um, we know the Angels are taking a risk in some regard by not trying to cash in on their biggest asset at the deadline. Um, Padres are doing the same thing um, if they don't trade, if they try to try to make the playoffs still. I wouldn't I wouldn't completely bash them for it if they end up not, uh, not selling, just because I respect teams who are trying to win um, in the sport. Obviously, there's a such thing as uh, strategic tanking and, and smart rebuilds, you know, and understanding that um, selling and building up the farm and, and things like that are essential for long-term success if you're not playing well. So um, there's there's two sides of that coin, but I, I do think that if they end up not selling Snell and Hayter, I still look at the guys in their rotation. I look at the guys on the batting order. I don't know why they couldn't just all of a sudden start playing like uh, one of the best teams in the NL. Yeah. Um, they yeah. haven't done it for you know three months now or whatever, so... Uh, don't know when and if it will start, but um, I think they have the capability. Travis, last last point on today, um, I believe we wanted to go over some of the odds for some of the awards going on um, in They've MLB. Been <laughs> uh, there's a couple, Travis, where it feels like they're locked, and there's a couple where there's probably like 10 guys that could win it. Yep. Like, like just off the top of my head, like NL Cy Young. I have no idea, yeah. but go ahead yeah. and where do you want to start with this? Yeah, we'll start with the American League, um, American League MVP, because that's where we've seen the biggest jump in some of these players. And Alex, we were going to cover it last week, and I know with um, Oppenheimer getting in the way, and then also with uh, some of the other news we wanted to share, uh, we had to postpone it to this week. And I'm actually glad we did so, because it's, it's actually interesting to see. I screenshotted the odds last Thursday, and just one week later, with everything that's happened in the news with with teams saying we're going to commit to winning we're going to commit to rebuilding you've seen a lot of odds now change um from you know a lot of guys winning certain awards because are they going to get traded to a national league team are they going to get traded to an american league team but i'll start with the american league mvp we know last week the front runner the front runner for the entire season has been shohei otani alex last week he was at a minus 850 um, and the reason was, is we didn't know if he was going to go to the National League. That was the big question. And so that's why Vegas wasn't confident in giving him a, a much greater odd to win the award. Alex, that now has jumped. So he was at minus 850. 
and there's a lot of guys that were not close, but there, there were guys that were closer than I thought. Now that the Angels have basically said he is off the trade block, he is on the team, he's staying the rest of the season, Alex, his odds now have jumped to minus 8,000. He went from minus oh 850 to minus 8,000 for the MVP. So what I see from that is even if Shohei, please God, hope this doesn't happen. Even if Shohei were to get injured, it, it almost just feels like it's a lock. Like it is truly the biggest lock. And I was actually thinking about it today on the drive home. I was wondering, I'm like, you know what? Even for the podcast and preparing, I'm like, you know, I, I got to see what the odds are because like if I were to be in Vegas right now, or if I were to be in a state that has gambling, I would easily be putting down like 500 to to $1,000 of my own money on this guy because I just feel like it's it's too much of a lock right now. I checked those odds, Alex, and it it definitely discouraged me. But right now I said to myself, if I were to put down $1,000 on Shohei to win the MVP at minus $8,000, i am getting 12 bucks and 50 cents. I'm basically getting a cheeseburger combo lunch for that right there. You're, you're going to drive to Vegas and you're, you're going to get a cheeseburger for the drive home, essentially. I'm basically wasting money for gas and I'm driving to Vegas, parking my car, paying for parking and basically getting my ticket just to lose money on that. But just to feel like the the, just to feel like the you got in, it right. internal like happiness of like, I got I got the bet. I, I got it right here. But I mean, talk about the in, most insane shift in the odds just by telling the public, the angels telling the public, we are going to keep him. He's going to stay in the American League. So now that American League MVP almost feels like a lock. And then you got who, other guys. Quick, yeah, sorry. I'll, you, I'll cut you off. Who's second and third? Yeah, so last week, Corey Seager, plus 1,300. Wander Franco, plus 3,000. Bo Bichette, plus 4,000. Luis Robert, plus 4,000. And then Randy Rosarena, plus 4,500. And then, of course, those odds now shift. So now with Shohei staying in the American League, Corey Seager is now second. He's still second place in the voting. He's plus 4,000 now. He's basically now down to like the, he was at where where Luis Robert was a week ago, but now he's at plus 4,000. Kyle Tucker is at plus 4,000. Arosa Reina at plus 6,000. Guerrero Jr. and Luis Robert at plus 8,000. So, I mean, like I mentioned, I, I just don't see him losing it. <laughs> right. I, I know you put money on him uh, when before the season started, so... It almost just feels like you can go to Vegas now, Alex, and basically cash. Where's that, my money? Ca cash that money in right now. But it, it's it's truly remarkable. I have never seen an MVP race being settled already by uh, by the trade deadline. It, it's, it's 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 insane. It, 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 a lot of times we act like it's a runaway, but if it like like you said, I think if you know, knock on wood, if he missed the next two months, he could still win it. Yeah. And it, mm -hmm. it's stupid to say that. But it's because Seager is second. He already missed like a month. And he's going to miss the next 10 days on, a, on an IL uh, sprained wrist. So now you're looking at who, I mean, Wander Franco, Bo Bichette, are, are they MVP caliber? I don't think so. I think I think a full season of them is not at the same level of value as what Otani's done the last like three and a half months or, or whatever it's and, been. And, and I, I checked today and baseball reference hasn't been updated, but Shohei has a 6.8 war right now in the season. I don't know what today what his war will what, what what the war increase will be today i honestly would love to know that number because in my head you, you've got to have you you got to have achieved a 1.0 war today alex i mean what he did today was he basically won both games uh not single-handedly by himself but i mean what he was able to do i mean i, I want to see the value of what was able to be done today on the baseball field right yeah i think that's 
that's, you know, being able to find the numerical value on that uh, would definitely show kind of how special his season has been in comparison to a guy like Wander Franco, a guy like Vladdy Guerrero, Kyle Tucker, all great players, fantastic players, super valuable in their own right, cannot put up the level of value that Otani did today. It's just not even like I think if I think if Vladdy had a five home run game in five at bats, like that's still I I mean I still think it's not as valuable as nine yeah. nine shutout innings on the mound and then two home runs mm-hmm. um and I think three at bats. So um that just goes to show you Probably would have been three, but he had a back cramp, you know, just yeah. carrying the team all day. You you you, you got to say to Shohei, like, yeah, how could you not come out of one of the games just being like, I need, to, I need to take the rest of the game off. Like, I have been carrying the load for, what, 16 innings or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, kudos to him. And, and Alex, we saw him. I, I don't know if you saw, but in the first game, um, he was it was a he was doing a uh, they call it a PFP, but they basically it's a, a you know, first baseman feels the ball. Pit, throws it to the uh, pitcher as they cover first base. He actually got, uh, he stuck his hand out and the runner hit his arm and I, he was kind of like shaking his arm a little bit. I'm like, oh, funny crap. Like, please, Shohei, just like shake it off. And he did. And, and again, we see so many guys in on the Angels and so many guys in, the, in baseball that I feel like are just, they're just built like an antique shop where literally a flick to their wrist or a flick to any joint and they're on the IL for six weeks. But Shohei at least has been that Iron Man for the season and so far for the last three years. But um, anything else to put on that with the uh, with, with the odds so far for the MVP that uh, that I announced? Um, you said other other thoughts. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I I just think that um, I just think that essentially if Otani didn't play the rest of the season he would still have a pretty solid chance to win the award, which is something that is probably not true of any other season because, um, you know, even if Judge was being average right now, like an average Judge season, you could say, oh, maybe Judge has a hot month and, you know, ends up with eight war and that could pass Otani. Um, but there's no one that's really stepped up in that kind of way. Otani's built such a gap for himself. So I, I think it's 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 quite a lock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so who else? Uh, actually, real just a quick update on that yep. trade. Apparently, the Mets are getting two players who are both in rookie ball. So they are like, that's a Steve that's Cohen. a yeah. that's a proper sell. That's yeah. not even like a, yeah. we're building up for next season. That's like, oh no, we're just gonna like get back what we can. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I I I mean, Angels sent over a couple guys that were you know I think either double A or single A for Eduardo Escobar. Um, guys that were not going to be, you know, ready for a couple years. So again, I, I, it'd be interesting to see what Cohen does now with, uh, kind of this, uh, this fire sale with, um, so far getting some of the smaller, you know, deals off of the, uh, off of the balance sheet. You wonder if he makes the move for Vorlander or Scherzer, because those two guys could definitely help a team win. And, uh, that'd be getting a lot of money off of his, uh, off of his plate. And, 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 you know, he'd probably be getting some decent, uh, players in return and guys that possibly could help win next year. But J- Jeff Passan just tweeted the story of the 2023 New York Mets is one of true disappointment, injuries, regression, and now at the deadline when they <clears> wanted <throat> to add to a championship caliber team, caliber team retreat. David Robertson moves up in the NLE standings to the Marlins. What a weird <laughs> sinister write. And then a, a Mets writer in the comments says, 
they got the prospects they got are pretty good though <laughs> it's just like a funny tweet but um but travis um back on the awards talk um where do you want to go next we on, can on that list? we can slightly cover the uh the national league mvp um in and this one too uh one guy so far not running away with it but so far is the front runner uh ronald acuna jr right now he is at a minus 500 um that's the best odds for the mvp in the national league uh, right behind him are two Dodgers, though. It's it's Freddie Freeman at plus 600 and Mookie Betts at plus 800. And then after that, you have Corbin Carroll at plus 3,500, Juan Soto at plus 5,000, and Goldschmidt at plus 5,500. So I don't see Goldschmidt. I don't really see Soto um, making moves just because I know the voters like to look at team success. And if we don't see a huge jump with the Cardinals or the Padres over the next couple months, those kind of guys are just not going to be um, looked at as uh, as as true, you know, MVP uh, caliber uh, winners for uh, for this year. But Corbin Carroll, that is one guy that is is very interesting, Alex. I think I told you uh, before the season started, I put about five bucks, I think, on Corbin Carroll. I think his odds were like plus twenty five thousand, and I think I was mentioning to you, it was like five bucks would turn into two thousand dollars, like the most insane um, result of a, of a of an award. And so far, I mean. Corbin Carroll, just just being able to stick around is very nice. I mean, you, you hate to say, um, you hate to you hope or you hate to see guys if, if they were to go down with injuries. But I mean, just imagine if you got, you know, Acuna were to go out with an injury or if Betts were to go out with an injury, things can get very interesting. And you could look at a guy like Corbin Carroll with all the tools he brings, uh, really being a competitive uh, player in that MVP race. But so what, what do you make so far of the National League? Anything that jumps out to you right now? I mean, right now I mentioned Acuna, then you got Freeman and Betts. Um, anything and any any climbs by certain players you could see happening yeah it's 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 weird i i just feel like the bets freeman thing they're both so good and it feels like just being on the same team and contributing to the same success um you almost like they might take away votes from each other um which is going to hurt in terms of trying to win the award ronald acuna jr even though the braves are so stacked um he is kind of like the shining star at mm -hmm. the top of everything. Um, so it kind of makes sense that all the votes that are kind of Braves uh, centric are going to be going towards Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, I do think Corbin Carroll is someone with an outside shot. If somehow Arizona is able to win that division, mm -hmm. um, which is still, of course, possible. I think there are a handful of games out of the division. If they make a big ad at the deadline and he gets hot in the final month, I think it's definitely possible. Um, but yeah, it feels like there's that top tier of, 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 th of three, four, five players in the mix. And then it really just kind of drops off. And I think outside of the guys we've kind of mentioned here, I don't really see anyone else stepping up in a big way. It feels like a few years ago, like maybe like that Harper MVP over Soto, like both those guys really blew up in the second half, right? And like around this time in that season, like we didn't really have those guys at the top of our list. Of course, there was injuries that year to Ronald Acuna and stuff like that and, and trades going on that affected things. So um, it can be tough to say, but overall, I think it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely Acuna's to lose. And that's, that's kind of reflected in both the stats as well as the odds that you mentioned, but Acuna pretty much has the same offense as Freeman. He has a on base. That's a, uh, 0 0.002 points lower and then the slugging is about uh 0 
was it 12 lower or something like that but like it's very close offense and the batting average only one point apart but then you have acuna playing um i don't think his defense has been amazing but he has an amazing arm that he gets defensive value from and of course the bag stealing um i think guys are i mean i think voters are gonna be really impressed at like i mentioned if he has 65 or 70 stolen bases and has you know 35 home runs i think they're just gonna say we have not seen a 70 stolen base season and you know how long and, and it's coming from a guy with power exactly with the crazy run totals he's gonna have a lot of rbis from a from a leadoff hitter i mean he's at 88 runs Freeman's at 87 runs yeah both those it, numbers it's, are it's really neck crazy and neck with, with, i looked at the stats today and i was actually really impressed that both guys um that freeman was actually right behind them it, it'd be crazy uh, if they're on the same team huh <laughs> that, 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 that that'd be it that'd be a duo yeah. that'd be a duo but yeah, yeah. but um uh i mean and freeman is, is honestly right there in terms of uh equivalent duo um looking at other names travis if i sort fangraphs war by national league it's acuna Hassan kim <laughs> he's high he's higher than many would think yeah um but it's acuna and freeman and they're only 0.1 apart and then it's bets corbin carroll and the next name is Christian Yelich. Huh. Who yeah. he's not in this conversation at all. He's like a probably a plus ten thousand. I mean, Be, I, I just chose the top six guys, but yeah. And and, yeah. and and that's just because that he's so under the radar. And I get why he's not getting MVP buzz. His team is not wowing anybody. His numbers don't jump off the page. You know, fifteen home runs is good, but it's not like, you know, Macuna's got twenty three yep. plus forty eight stolen bags. Yelich only has twenty two stolen bags, which is very good. Um, but overall uh Yelich has been kind of a five tool low key this season um, and, and, and we've seen him have his best season Alex and he still doesn't win the MVP so I mean 2019 you're yeah, right he yeah. had a 1.1 OPS plus small, sorry, OPS small market o- OPS <laughs> and he missed the last month this season so or last like whatever it was like three four weeks and he didn't win the award but yeah Haseon Kim is high on this leaderboard Soto Haseon Kim and Tatis are like they're like six, seven, and eight on the Fangraphs uh, National League WAR leaderboard. How is that team not better? I mean, they yeah, have three yeah. players with three and a half WAR. Um, Hasyan Kim has been honestly, Travis, incredible. Whenever we do our next um, All MLB team, he's going to be in the discussion for a second base. Tatis Travis has been one of the best outfielders in the sport this season. His defense has been. Um, I don't understand it truly. I, I I'm I'm never, I'm never gonna understand. I mean his his defensive rating on Fangraphs is so much higher than Betts and Acuna. Like who? How is that even? Who would have? Thought- I, I I get Acuna, but Betts being it, higher than Betts is pretty amazing. Maybe Betts is just spending more time at shortstop and second base. That that's sure. why. But yeah, you're right. I mean, for a and, guy and, that and just ha- is coming out there, and we thought. Could it be difficult? Could it be a tough transition? Absolutely not. He's Roberto Clemente in right field right now. And 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 yeah, it, it's higher than Tucker. It's higher than pretty much any outfielder I'm finding here. Um, but yeah, Travis, wow. Mike Trout is 23rd in MLB in Fangraphs War. He's missed like a month here. But um, <laughs> yeah, Travis, I mean, looking down the NL guys, um, there's a lot of great players, but it feels like it's like a three or four man race. Truly is, um, yeah, The guys that you yeah. mentioned. Um, but there are some fun names around that the, the, oh, six through ten. There definitely are, and um, and even going to the uh, American League Cy Young and National League Cy Young um, MVP, we kind of had our 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 clear front runners and guys that were in the discussion. But the Cy Young Award now, Alex, is is truly up for grabs. And I'll start with the American League. 
Uh, right now on Caesars, uh, just today, Garrett Cole is your leader for the Cy Young. He is at a plus uh, one, yeah, one, 160. Uh, and then you have Shane McClanahan right behind him at plus 400. And Gosman, Kevin Gosman of the Blue Jays at plus 500. Framber Valdez at plus 600. Nathan Ivaldi at plus 800. And then the last guy is Luis Castillo at plus 1,200. I think his odds really have not changed. I'm pretty sure he was plus 1,200 at the beginning of the year, um, but he's really not changed too much. But um, it's again, Cole has not won a Cy Young yet. That's why I always think that betting on him every year is kind of maybe a smart pick because I feel like there could be that that voter bias of, you know, let's give it to him like he it's not a strong year with a lot of the pitchers, but he has not had his Cy Young just yet. So let's go out there and give it to Garrett Cole because in 2019, we kind of screwed him over uh, and gave it to his teammate Verlander. But uh, what do you make so far of the Cy Young in the American League with Cole, McClanahan, Gosman, Valdez, uh, Evaldi? I mean, I mean, so far, it, it's it's almost anybody's game. Who, who would you be looking to bet at or bet for maybe out of those five right now? Yeah, who to bet on is tricky. Um, I... I know who I would be picking to win Cy Young if the season ended today. It may be surprising. I'd be going with Kevin Gosman. Uh, it's no secret if you listen to the podcast I was wow. that that I'm I'm high on Gosman. Um, I, I I just like what I see in some of the advanced stats. The strikeout numbers are great. Not walking too many guys. Um, just overall, he's had a he's had a really good volume this year. 121 and two thirds innings pitched as it stands. That's only behind a few guys in the American League, and I I just I just really think that he is, you know, maybe not the most consistent because the ERA is at a 318. You know, that's not as good on paper as Evaldi, as Garrett Cole, as some other guys. But I do think that um, what he brings in tor- in terms of like some of the underlying numbers um, is the most impressive to me. But in terms of who I would bet on, um, I would probably give Gosman some love because, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole point of advanced stats is we're trying to kind of see um, what's the true level these guys are playing at right now. And if I compare Gosman to a guy like Cole, Gosman is a superior uh, FIP, expected FIP, um, he has higher Fangraphs war because they uh, use FIP to do their calculation. Um, the strikeouts, uh, more Ks per nine um, than Gosman. If I go to the advanced tab here and go to strikeouts on Fangraphs, it looks like um, after Strider uh, of the NL, so looking at AL only, um, Kevin Gosman leads the pack. Then it's Otani. Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan. You have to go down a little ways before you get to Garrett Cole, who still is like a top, like uh, looks like top six or seven guy in the American League for strikeout percentage. But Gosman is number one. Um, so I think that's a really good sign for Gosman in terms of going forward. So I would give some love to Gosman on a bet if I had to make a bet right now. Um, Otani will not win the American League Cy Young Award. His ERA has not been as pretty this season, Mm -hmm. but I still think his stuff and his ability to get strikeouts is, it could be the best in baseball. And that that sounds crazy, um, but in terms of consistently pitching, I mean, you have guys like DeGrom who missed time, unfortunately. Um, But in terms of the pitchers who are making every start, and how good their stuff is and their ability to get swings and misses, their ability to get strikeouts. Otani, I think, is as good as anyone. He hasn't had some problems with the walks this year and the home runs. But um, if those regress to the mean, I think he could really 
um, have a really special couple months on the mound. Um, and then looking at other guys here who I might be willing to place um, some flyer bets on, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I, I feel like you've said it a few years now, a few years in a row where Cole was kind of due to win one. And this year I might actually kind of cash in. I think that where his ERA is at now, it might be his to lose. Also the fact that a lot of the arms around him in New York, um, in the Bronx have been failing, um, whether it be to injury, whether it be to just, um, sucking down years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, guys like Severino, um, there were, there, there were higher hopes. We're done. Yeah. Had the injury Clark Schmidt. There were higher hopes, you know, um, I'm trying to think of Nestor Cortez, like, you know, he's had injuries and a down year and everything in between. Um, so I think it could go a handful of ways, but I'm definitely leaning towards uh, Cole probably winning it. Um, I don't know if I'd bet on him because he, like you said, he is the favorite at this point in time. Um, Framberg could get some love because he's so consistent, but um, I think the strikeouts um, and the volume of Cole might reign supreme. Um, but I would lean Gosman for my personal pick at the moment. Okay. Okay. I I would also even look at Eovaldi. I think that uh, he he's even had a with being plus eight hundred and where he's at. I think that uh, fans could look at that, especially even if the Rangers were to win the division, they could say and see that his signing and, and his pitching has been one of the biggest impacts for where they are today. But moving to the National League, Alex again an, another. Uh, kind of a, a weird and wild, uh, you know, top six for the National League. Uh, Zach Gallon's leading at a, a plus uh, two, uh, 225. Um, then you have Spencer Strider at a plus 300. So both guys kind of neck and neck. And then, of course, right on Spencer Strider, you have Blake Snell at plus 350. Then at plus 704th, you have Logan Webb, which, again, I, I was stunned to see him at fourth place for the Cy Young Fifth place is Kershaw at plus 1,200. And then sixth place is Jesus Luzardo of Miami Marlins. So a lot of names that you probably weren't thinking of seeing in the top five or top six beginning of the year that are there right now. But um, out of these guys, you know, Gallon, Strider, Snell, Webb, Kershaw, Luzardo, who, who, who are guys that you would cross off as being, you know, just maybe not a smart guy to go after or someone that, you can easily see not winning a, a Cy Young at the end of the season out of those six. Would you, do you start with Kershaw Lizardo? I, I would. Um, I have so much respect for Kershaw's ability. I don't think it's his goal right now to push for a regular season award. He His mantle is full of regular season <laughs> awards, yep. Cy Young awards. He has an MVP. You know, I don't think that he's going to push his body to the brink in September especially if the Dodgers have the division locked up or at least a playoff spot locked up. Why, um, yeah. why push it when you have a history of late season injuries, you want to make sure your team is ready for the postseason. All the Dodgers care about is winning a world series. So they're not going to, you know, ask for huge contributions from Kershaw in the final month of the season, if they already are in a, in a spot to win. So I would definitely not be betting on him for that reason, not to do with his ability, um, but to do with the situation and the circumstances. Um, looking at other guys you mentioned, um, I do like what I see um, from Snell for the most part. He's been striking out guys like a madman. Um, he's been walking a ton of guys too. Travis, did you see that stat? He is currently, if, if the season ended today, he'd be the first pitcher, I believe in history, to lead MLB in ERA and walks. 
Wow. He is walking wow. a lot of guys, but striking out a lot of guys too, um, and li- just limiting the hits. And then th- that's been that's been the key for him to have a, a good year this year. Um, we saw that game against the Angels, and I think there was like nine guys left on base after like four innings against Snell, but they had zero runs. Nah. It was like he was he was walking one or maybe even two guys in the inning, and then. Angels just could not even put the ball in play or make contact with it or make a make a, a decent uh, hit out of out of some of his pitches. So I, I definitely believe that's that now. Yeah, it's funny that the, the, I'm just looking through ERA leaderboards here for National League, um, and there are some guys who have numbers that really impress me, and they're nowhere to be found on your list. And um, some of them it's because of innings pitched or, or whatever it might be. But Alex Cobb has a two nine seven ERA, a really good FIP. Um, but he only has like 106 innings pitch, which is uh, lower than a lot of these guys. But um, I, I've said it a couple years now, Travis. I think he's the most underrated pitcher um, in the sport. Um, but back to kind of figuring out who might win the award, I would also probably cross out um, Lazardo. Some of the advanced stats are pretty good, a pretty good FIP, you know, but he'd have to have a really monstrous last couple months to kind of make up the ground he's currently lost. Um, where was Strider on your ranking? Strider, odds. Uh, Strider was second, and he is at plus 300. So those odds are not that generous. Um, I would I would want to bet on Strider as like my sneaky guy who I think will win it, but the plus 300 is not as juicy as I'd hope. If it was like mm-hmm. plus five or 600, yeah. maybe that'd be a bit more enticing because his ERA at 373 is not phenomenal, but his strikeouts are nonsense yeah, it's yeah, nonsense yeah. it's it's crazy Incredible. um and because of that his fip um his sierra expected fip all these era predictor stats are all um through the roof um top of the nl um top of baseball uh, i think he's probably a top you know two three four pitcher yep. in the sport at the moment yep. and it's not shown in the era at this time but i think it could by the end of the season um he was it's funny travis he was had a dominant ERA early, and he had like a couple blow-up starts that really put his ERA in the, in the trash. But and we saw last year, I think in Game Three of the uh, of the division series, it yes, was a blow, it was a blow-up start. I get it was his first playoff start ever, but it was a blow-up start, and it just was madness yeah. after the second inning or so. And, and, and I'm not sure if that's more prone to happening because he really does kind of rely on the fastball slider combo. Um, I saw I saw a really cool video. Um, I don't know if they film. I don't know when they filmed it. It wouldn't have been all. It wouldn't have been All Star Weekend. I mean, it could have been honestly, but I saw a video just today on Twitter, and they were asking all these top players um, from around the league what was the hardest pitch to face. And some guys said Otani slider slash sweeper. Some guys said Kershaw uh, slider. Some guys said um, a couple other pitches, but um, quite a few guys said a Spencer Strider fastball, which is kind of crazy. The <laughs> hardest <it> the <laughs> hardest pitch to face is just this 100-mile-an-hour heater. You know it's coming, and you can't touch it. Isn't it like a sinker that like is like a two-seam sinker almost that just I, probably like comes in on righties, and then on like he can probably throw it in a different way against against lefties and – I, I I don't have the I'm yeah. Sure, they hate it. <laughs> yeah, I I I I think it's one of the best, um, probably one of the best rising uh, pitches. I think the way it uh, the spin rate, I'm sure, is crazy. But I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I I, I do think that Strider, um, 
a lot of what I see here on Fangraphs, I, I'm liking it. I'll put it that way. So mm-hmm. I, I do think yep. that he has a chance to make a late run at the award. Um, Gallon is someone who I've been high on, Travis, but as the favorite, like he is not in a commanding spot, I would say, right? Um, what were his odds at the moment? It is plus 250. Yeah, yeah it's, it's you know, I wouldn't oh, bet. Sorry, plus 225, yeah. I wouldn't bet on him, and I also wouldn't count him out, but like, you know, I couldn't imagine the uh, Silent Race being more up for grabs, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not yep. sure who's going to step up and take it, but um, I, I would lean Strider yep. o- over the others, but yep. Yep. Um, it, it'll be it'll be tight. Me too. Um, that's I think the the, the clear guy. He just kind of makes the most noise on the uh, on the National League starting pitching side. Um, he would be a guy to be going for. But let's go to uh, we'll quickly wrap up with the rookie of the years, Alex. Nationally, we, we, I, I, we probably won't talk about it just because Corbin Carroll has that one wrapped up. Um, yeah, he's he, like he's like Otani, where he could get hurt, and he, it's like who's even coming close? Ellie De La Cruz is behind him at plus one thousand. Um, it'd be fun, but even Ellie, we've seen have some difficulty. Uh, you know, I think having those, continuous success. Right, Carroll's been so much more consistent. Just out of curiosity, do you have three, four, five there or no? Uh, for uh, the NL rookie, yeah. uh, so yeah, Carroll is minus fifteen hundred. Uh, Ellie is plus one thousand. Matt McLean is plus two thousand. Kodai Senga is plus 3,500. Okay. And then you have uh, Francisco Alvarez of the Mets at plus 3,500. And then Andrew Abbott at plus 5,500. I don't even know who he plays for. He's on the Reds. Thank he's, you. He's a, he's a pitcher. <laughs> okay. He, um, he, he, uh, he just got called up. I think there's um, there's some buzz about his ability to have a low ERA, suppress runs, but I think that he will regress. Ellie Travis has been phenomenal, but he will regress. Um, there's a lot of concern with his ground ball rate and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Corbin Carroll has just been a model of consistency. Um, it feels like he's like young Acuna to me, Travis. Yeah. He's like the rookie rookie, rookie year on a good team, already the best player, yeah. the key to all of their success. It's it's fun to watch him play right now. But um, moving to the American League side for rookie of the year, this is, of course, way more competitive. You have your big three, and then you have kind of a a, a tier two of your uh, rookie of the years, which I guess these three guys on the bottom, uh, really, I really don't see it all of them making any noise. But leading rookie of the year for the American League right now is Josh Young of the Rangers at a plus uh, 160. Then you have uh, Masataka Yoshida at a plus 180. So right there with Josh Young. And then Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles at plus 200. So Young, Yoshida, Henderson, all right now neck and neck uh, to to come away with this award. That is your kind of your tier one. And then you have uh, Tanner, I think it's Bibby, Bibby. Your guess is as good as mine. Okay, Tanner, Tanner Bibby of the, I'm, of the I'm Guardians. I'm going to go with Bibby. Uh, he is at plus 3,000. Hunter Brown of the Astros at plus 3,000. And then Tristan Casas at plus 4,000. Um, so that's kind of your tier two. I don't see any of those three guys really making a push to win this. Um, no. You got Gunner, Yoshida, and Young. Honestly, Alex, I see Young coming in third place out of these three. I see Yoshida coming in second. And I see Gunnar Henderson coming in first right now. Just with the way he's been swinging the bat the last month. What do you make of these top three right now for the uh, for the American League side? It, it's fun. It's a fun race to have all these guys in the mix. Um, Yoshida is such a complete hitter, um, kind of obviously, because he yep. was like an, a superstar yep. in, in the Japan. Japanese League um, for some time. So he is a, in many ways, already a pro as he comes to the MLB. But it's really reflective in his ability to um, hit for average, have a good on base, have a good slugging. 
um, a complete hitter in that regard. So um, that's kind of the the thing I'll, I'll tip his cap on. Um, and then looking over at a guy like Josh Young, um, has had some slippage. I think the K rate has gone back up. It was going up and down at the moment. It's around uh, just shy of 30% which is not unmanageable, but it is high. It, it is quite high um, for where he's at. Uh, 100 games played, though, so that's going to be a, that's gonna be a positive for him because Josh Young, 100 games played, that's like nine more than Gunner at the moment. Um, and then where is Yoshida at 89 games played? So Young is leading the pack in terms of um, being an, really an everyday player for a team that is playoff bound. Yes. So um, that's a pro for young and then Henderson, like you mentioned, has just been coming on the hottest. He is, um, uh, trending the best at the moment, um, with his current play. Um, and, and, and he also is uh, a plus defender, a plus base runner, um, five stolen bases compared to young's one stolen base. Mm-hmm. Um, Yoshida has eight though, but, um, I, I, overall, I feel like young is going to win it. Um, if, oh, really? I, okay. if I had to guess, um, I don't, I'm not saying I would give it to him necessarily. We'll see where their numbers end up, but based on the voters and how I think they usually respond to stuff like this, I feel like there is going to be like this Rangers first place, um, young, he's at currently 20 homers. He could definitely clear 25 approach 30, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, that will likely lead rookies, um, American league rookies. Um, but Travis, it is very funny that the highest Fangraphs war of any American American League rookie is someone that you did not even say. You say Zach Neto. It's not Zach Neto. Oh, damn it. It, <laughs> it is Luke Rayleigh on the Tampa Bay Rays. He, wow, I didn't realize he was a rookie. No. He, I mean, he's on the rookies. When I filter for rookies and Fangraphs, he's included here. He is only 82 games played, um, so might not get similar love to some of the other guys, but he is at a, uh, I mean, he's got a 273 average, um, but the on base and the slugging are both better than Young. They're both better than Henderson. Are they both better than Yoshida? No, Yoshida has the on base. But yeah, a 2.8 war for Luke Rayleigh. 11 stolen bags, 15 homers. Hmm. Um, He has been in some ways a platoon guy. Only 281 played appearances compared to Young having over 400. So that's a big difference maker as well. Um, It's hard for Rays players to win awards unless you're Wander Franco or a pitcher just because they platoon so many of their outfielders, their first baseman and stuff like that. So I think that's why Luke Rayleigh um, has a really high uh, rate based numbers. But I mean, it shows in the war that it's adding up another guy, Travis, who is like, um, he's like the fourth or third highest Fangrass war for American league. He's the fourth highest is Edward Julian on Minnesota. He's been getting buzz recently. I believe he plays second base, but he currently in 200 MLB plate appearances. And he's not on the leaderboard probably because he only has 55 games played, but he's been mashing the ball at the big league level. Like I said, 200 plate appearances, a 302 average, a 387 on base, a 552 slugging. He has um, a better WRC plus than Corbin Carroll, than Luke Rayleigh. Obviously, fewer games played and fewer plate appearances, but he's playing second base on a team that's currently in the playoff picture. He's hitting the heck out of the ball. So overall, um, there's a lot of fun names in the mix. 
Um, and then you mentioned um, uh, that 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 secondary tier. I don't see any of those guys really jumping up in the conversation. I do really like Tristan Casas. You mentioned him being like sixth in odds. Um, I just love his uh, discipline. You look at his numbers. He just is a crazy uh, fiend for walking, and he also has the power uh, to boot 15 uh, homers in 89 games played. Um, he is someone, Travis, who I thought Boston might be looking for a first baseman because Casas, I wasn't sure, was ready for the MLB level. He's proven in the last couple months that he is ready for the MLB level. Um, certainly as a lefty bat, um, able to kind of uh, crush the ball as well as have uh, great uh, play, uh, play discipline. So um, lots, lots, of, lots of fun guys. Lots of fun guys in the American League Wild Card race. Um, it could get tight, but I went ahead and said I think Young will win. Um, I'll save my pick for who I think should win um, when we have the final results. But who would you think is going to win at this moment? Not who you would pick, but yeah. who do you think will win? I, I think that I think that Gunner. You think win Gunner? It. Yeah. I, I, I thought Gunner was going to win it by kind of a landslide. So I think I think with him trending in the direction, the Orioles now are in first place. They are looking to add on guys, and and like I mentioned, Gunner has just been on fire since uh july 1st i believe or the since end the day of june you, since the day you cut him from your fantasy yeah team. i know it's 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 a great feeling <laughs> i'm sorry when when, you, when i was just 80 games in or 75 games in and i'm like this guy has done nothing for me gunner henderson i mean i got him because he had a shortstop and a third base component to his uh to his positions and i was like that's great i can use him at short i can use him at third i can use him in a utility role this is going to be good and i think he's going to be a really good rookie 75 games in nothing happening and i'm like this guy I, i'm he's he's dumped i'm, I'm sorry like, i i can't even get him on a trade no one's gonna want him dump him and he just he gave me the middle finger and now he's <laughs> doing amazing i think he won like uh al player of the week had like an ops at like 1400 i know june or july will probably get a uh, high consideration on like a rookie um and all you know it almost probably maybe even like an all mlb team when we look at it just for the month of july not the whole season but i know a lot of people are uh are already giving him a lot of props he had some really big series over the last couple of weeks so he i think um with the excitement of the razor on i think uh he is a guy that will be um i don't want to say running away i think yoshida is just a consistently great ball player yeah i think young had a very good first half i just don't know how he's going to finish in the second half and that's why I think Gunner just trending so well right now. Um, he'll get the voters' uh, respect, I believe. So I yeah. like the pick. I think something I wasn't considering was come October when they're voting, the recency bias will be with whoever's hot at the time, and Young is trending in the wrong direction. So I do like your Gunners and your Gunner Henderson pick. Um, I'm very cool with that. So, and, and, we'll, and we'll see a guy by the name of Zach Neto probably creeping up to like the four spot. Probably maybe you'll hoppy just a monster last three weeks. Yeah. Just, just claims the award with uh, one month of play. But yeah, so hopefully, yeah. I, I, and I could say, I, I was very shocked with Hunter Brown and um, they've been contributors. They've been yeah. contributors. They they have, but I, I, I thought there would be other guys. You know, it's funny, you know, Vol, you know, imagine you, you were to see Volpe not in the top five at yes, the end of the year, you know, right. so many guys that you probably thought, oh, this is guy is going to be an easy lock for like a top three. Like even a Miguel Vargas on the Dodgers, you know, he had really good odds being of the year. He's nowhere to be found. Bobby Miller had some odds. Um, he's nowhere to be found. But uh, 
there, there's some guys that yeah you you do you you are surprised that you're not seeing him. And, and L is so locked up by Carroll for the rookie of the year, but it's crazy that we didn't mention Outman after such a good first couple months he had. He has slipped a bit, but there is still a good power component and stolen base component and great defense in center field. Um, some of the best defensive uh, Fangraphs numbers amongst NL rookies. So he's even someone who I, I, I'm surprised isn't getting a bit more kind of buzz. But anyways, Travis, that is uh, pretty much all we got for today. Um, anything else before we wrap up? I think I think pretty much we're going to record. Ready for the weekend. I think, oh, Travis, me, me too. Um, for a lot of reasons, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, relax and also watch the Angels either uh, become playoff locks or have the worst weekend of our lives <laughs> in Toronto. But, uh, but Travis, uh, next episode we will be covering all of the big moves that happen in the next four or five days. It's going to be hopefully a much more active deadline now that Otani is confirmed staying. I heard so much uh, buzz about teams are not willing to start making their trades until they figure out if Otani is going to be on the block because how can we give away any prospects if we know Otani will be available? We might we might need them in, a, in, a, in Otani trade. So teams like the Orioles, teams like the Diamondbacks, teams like the Dodgers, um, any contender who thought they had a chance at Otani now will hopefully get active and make some other moves. I'm hoping we have a lot to cover in our next episode, Travis. We'll probably try to fire up right after the deadline. I think Monday, yeah. Yeah, probably Monday Monday at like 1 o'clock, I think, Pacific time, 4 o'clock Eastern is when the deadline closes. So I'm sure Monday afternoon or Monday evening we'll probably get an episode in just to cover all the uh, news. And like always, Alex, you press the off button, I guarantee in five minutes something's going to happen or something. Oh, look at that, Travis. No. <laughs> but it always seems to happen where guys always start to get uh, – uh, traded or, or, or big moves start to happen, you know, either later on tonight or, you know, if you guys are listening to this tomorrow on Friday, uh, moves this weekend will be so exciting to see so many guys, um, uh, you know, being moved on. It's fun to see that uh, the 31st this year falls on a Monday so that it'll be just kind of like a wild weekend of just uh, tons of players moving on to other teams, most likely. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, and to finally get some answers on which directions these teams will go. We know the Mets now are likely to be sellers. Padres, are they going to go for it? Um, some of those central teams, Travis, like, like like the Guardians. We didn't even talk about um, them adding Thor for, well, they are buyers. in a weird yeah. move. But it's just weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. like they should be buyers because they're, they're two games out of the division. But it's like... And you get, again, another wild card weekend series at home. You had them last year and you, you, you swept the race in a very bad fashion you know the offense was awful that those two games that was probably one of the worst playoff series i had, I had ever watched but uh <laughs> but i mean getting a playoff series at home should mean a lot and like you mentioned right now the central both centrals are truly truly up for the taking and it, it seems like it's anybody's at least in the top two it's anybody's game and anybody's division right now but yeah you think that the guardians with 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 jose ramirez clicking and um and and just the team I, they've been so uh littered with the injury bug that that things are still going right you, you think that they have to just be have to go out there and spend the money they have a ton and a ton of young prospects they can give up for right now talent so again I, i'm very shocked that the guardians are not doing more as well we agree travis and we will be talking about them and all other teams that make moves on our next episode so we'll talk to you guys uh early next week 
with all the latest. Travis, it's been another good one. Um, if you any listen- questions on Twitter, please hit us up. You know, we uh, we we'd love to answer who uh, who we have being buyers or sellers or anything that maybe maybe you have a player that you have in mind. Let us know. And we can uh, we'll, we'll give our input. Travis, we also filmed an Instagram reel, and we have just been a little kind of cowardly holding on to it. <laughs> I think we got to let it rip. We got we got to fire some stuff off. I think I was pretty good. Um, yeah. You yeah. were good. We yeah. had you kind of predict. We had you predict. Uh, we had you pick. Um, a, ro- rotation. a rotation yeah. for you know five random teams. It's pretty fun. It's that was, pr- that pr- was pretty deadly. Yeah. But um, Travis, we should fire some of those off. Um, we want to interact with you guys. We want to hear what you guys are thinking because um, conversations make us all uh, better fans of the game. But Travis, we will talk uh, to listeners next week. If you made it this far, we appreciate you and talk to you guys Monday. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>